Episode 69, dude. Answer the freaking phone, you fool. I ain't even no message like that. What you think, this is your birthday? Just answer your phone before I stick it up your ass. Peace. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, we're back. And we're back again in the month of August for the fifth time. Which sort of is a little weird thing that happens every once in a while that there's five Mondays in in a month. And uh, I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner, and we are Two True Freaks. And this is a bonus fifth week episode where we're going to just do a little housework. But what fun housework it is. We're going to do our housework naked. Maybe with, little, maybe with a little apron on, you know, just so I don't get dirty. All Mala style, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go through some letters and answer some letters and questions that you guys, you know, burning questions that you deem worthy of the freaks. And maybe they'll talk a little bit about our upcoming trip to Dragon Con, which is, you know, Woo-hoo! basically right around the corner. By the time this airs, it'll be just in a few days. It'll be, at the, you know, starting at the end of this week on Friday. So... Yeah, that's where we are today. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing keen. How about you? Keen. I'm I'm doing pretty good actually. Surprisingly, considering the hellish, you know, nightmare that is my everyday life. I am so <laughs> fucking tired. I ought to be dead, but Excellent. I have had a I've had an IV of diet Mountain Dew going all day long, so I'm like I, I don't know. I'm in a weird, weird, weird-ass place right at the moment. Good. Good. <laughs> Use it. Which should channel it. Should, it should suit me well yeah, for this episode. Really? Yeah, what else is new? But, uh... So. Yeah, um, so we got, so we got letters. Letters. We got letters. We got enough letters to choke a friggin' camel, Let's I'm telling you. Let's do it, you, man. Let's get a camel awesome. and do it. It's... <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of letters, man. A lot, a lot of letters. So let's get cracking there, shall we? Well, right off the bat, I've got a couple brief, brief emails from uh, Mr. Joshua Baker. Now, you remember he uh, he wrote to us a while back in uh, 
it was just kind of introducing himself as a new listener and everything. We gave him a, a shout-out almost immediately. Yeah. And then uh, we got this one right back from him that says, Holy shit! I love a letter that starts with holy shit, by the way. That's holy a shit! Good way to start any conversation. It's just, I, it says, I just moved this weekend, so I didn't have time to download the new episode until today, which is also my birthday! Thank you so much for not only reading my email, but putting it into the show's beginning theme as a news broad. Oh, that's right. That was the one that you weren't you weren't there for, and I did it as the as the news broadcast. Yeah, which I yeah. got some good feedback on, by the way. I was afraid that it came off came across as really stupid, but a lot of people said they really liked it. So thank you very much, everybody. I, I appreciate that. Really stupid isn't always bad. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> so Josh says, made my fucking day. What a birthday. Thanks a lot, Scott. Josh. Hey, you're welcome, man. No problem. And then I wrote him back something about, you know, enjoy the enjoy your birthday, something about ah, something about his cake or something. Blah blah blah. We appreciate your yeah. letters. Blah blah blah. We'll take it into consideration. <laughs> blah blah blah. Right, your congressman. That sort of stuff. Oh, I just think it sounds so sincere. <laughs> I just like to say to Josh, you know, I'm glad we're attracting the, the fans who curse like fucking sailors. Oh, yeah. So I wrote back to him, My pleasure, Josh. I love getting feedback like yours, and I just wanted to give you the shout-out. Happy birthday. Uh, 27, right? Hope it's a great one. Take some pics of the uh, topless girl that pops out of the cake for me. Beth Scott. So he wrote back, Yeah, my wife probably wouldn't be extremely happy about the topless chick <laughs> popping out of anything within my eye shot. So no picks. Hey, Sorry. Hey, what happens on Two True Freaks stays on Two True Freaks. <laughs> says, but hey now. But hey now. No, actually he says, but hey. Now that, but I like reading it better as, but hey now. But he says, but hey. Now that I know you actually take the time to read feed, uh, read the feedback, I'll be more than happy to jot down more and send it to you. Well, we, we do. We read all the feedback. We may not necessarily always read it on the show in a timely fashion like <laughs> promised we would but we do read it we all. usually reply i mean we pretty much do reply to just about anybody who writes to us we're so lonely but um yeah i mean we get we we read pretty much almost all of it on the air so let that let josh be an example for all of you if you want to get on two true freaks this is a double-edged sword by the way <laughs> I even read the ones that start with like, fuck you idiots, or what's wrong with Scott, or, you know, I read those too. They make me cry, and I have to go sit in the corner and hold my hold my knees to my chest for a while, but I, I do, I read them all. I wish we got more of those, actually, I, or at least more creative insults. I like to get insulted by someone who's really good at it, but it's no fun if you really suck at it, so if you do, don't. You know, if you want to do it just to make us feel happy, don't do it unless you're really good at it, please. <laughs> use some, use some, you know, three syllable or more let words and in, <laughs> in it, and and we'll probably read it on the air. You know, we'll probably I'll, I'll probably frame it and put it over my bed. Oh, check this out. He says, like the downloading and file sharing episode. Excellent. Uh, yeah, favorite TV soundtracks and such. It kind of sucks since I've made my way through all the shows. I actually got to wow. wait for the new ones to be recorded. That's awesome. That was a lot of shows is, to, yeah. to wade through. Wasn't it probably like 50 shows at that point, you know, something like that, that he listened to in a short period of time? 
Yeah, it's actually. I was looking the other day. We actually have close to like a hundred shows when you when, when you, you tally, them all, tally up. them all up. You yeah. know, besides by the numbers, yeah. But um, oh my God, you know how many hours is that? That's you know, that's like almost a week of two two freaks. You know, of you. That's a lot of time. To, that's usually that sounds like something they would do to like prisoners at Guantanamo Bay or something. You know. Just put them in a room, and every time they hear, you know, two true freaks, they start quivering and are just like, no, not again. Not again. We'll have them sons of bitches admitting to, like, having sunk the Titanic and shit before too long. I, sh- I shot JR. <laughs> I- I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. Yes. Uh, why did I have to go through them all so quickly? Damn it! Well, you know, here's the solution for you, Josh. Now that you've listened to all of them, and you know you've got them all memorized and committed to memory and all that, and you're just dying for the new ones. While you're passing that time, just play them backwards because we've got all kinds of subliminal shit yeah. in there that most people don't catch. So I mean, you know, there you go. You've got another like week's worth of shit to listen Actually, to right there. The best way to listen to us backwards is while you're sleeping on a loop. So uh, and that and hey, that's like killing two birds with one stone. Well, speaking of killing, Two True Freaks is not responsible for anything that you do any, after listening to any, that shit backwards. Yes, but yes, we we cannot be held responsible. No, for any subliminal suggestions, no matter how brutal and bloody they are. Yep, can't pin that shit on me. Nope. You heard it. He said anyway. <laughs> he says anyway. Thanks again. I look forward to the next episode. Keep them coming. Oh, by the way, you guys mentioned that you're big into Indiana Jones in the first episode. Have you guys done a show about Indy yet? And I just, uh, or I just missed and forgot or forgot about it. Uh, I'd love to hear your takes on all the movies, games, books, and what have you. I'll stop there. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but thanks for the shout out, Josh. And, uh... Yeah, I think that's a great idea. We we talked a little bit about Indiana Jones and Spielberg, and we talked about it uh, in the episode with uh, I think it was the first time we ever talked to Mark, wasn't it? Oh, when right. we talked yeah. about yeah, because he used to work at the Indiana Jones right. Epic Stunt Spectacular, and so we talked a little bit. But you know, yeah, not not a like a focused indie central show. So yeah, we need, we definitely need I would to do love that. To and do cover. that, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, got one more from. Oh, actually, damn! I got a bunch of them from Josh. So Josh, Josh has been—he's another one that's stepping up to the plate, like uh, like Biblio Mike and and May Yi. You know, just just really giving us a lot of great feedback. He says, uh, "Oh, I love this one." He says, "So I was listening to episode one. You know, the file sharing and downloading episode. I just wanted to give my input. First off, I and that's it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love this email." so then the next one i got from him says jesus i hate my computer sometimes me too man computers suck he says what i was gonna say is that (laughs) what i was gonna say is that i respect people's opinions no matter which side they're on and then parentheses he's got whether it's about this subject or just about anything else well that you know great for you i don't really really respect other people's opinions so i've got to be honest yeah fuck them idiots no, that's not true. Anyway. It's impossible. I told you I was in a whacked out mood tonight, and it's coming through right now. Excellent. So it's, it's like all kicking Focus in all it. at once. It's like 
uh, an entire two liter of, of, of shit running through my veins right now. Yeah. I see. He says, I, pers- I personally have only sought out music uh, that I wouldn't be able to get a hold of uh, through Limeware. I had no idea what file sharing was at the time and therefore didn't know it was illegal. I don't. Is it really illegal? Well, I think what, we've talked about I've this heard. before. Here's what I've I, I hear is buying or owning a something you know like a bootleg movie or a bootleg MP3 is not illegal. It's when you share it. It's when you put it up for right. other people to download it that that's what you get in trouble for. That's what you're getting fined for when the RIAA comes knocking right. on your door. Is uh, is for sharing it. So if you have a disc full of you know horrible, fuzzy, cammed out um, movie bootlegs, you probably don't have anything to worry about. But I'm no lawyer. Once again, two true freaks are not lawyers. Any discussion of the law is pure bullshit. <laughs> we do not fact check. We do not even care. So why are you listening to what we say? Just let it soak in and do its thing. Don't think about it too much. And don't act on it. Except when we tell you not to see a movie or see a movie or not buy a comic or buy a comic or something like that. But when it comes to, you know, anything that we could be legally responsible for, don't. Just don't. (laughs) He says, when I did discover it was frowned upon... It didn't really sway, sway me from doing it, Amen. although it did make me a little paranoid. I love this guy. I think that's a, I think that's a healthy from... reaction right there. That's what he had. <laughs> oh, I love it. He says, but I must say, these days I stick to the old iTunes. It's legal, fairly inexpensive, and I can find the things uh, I need pretty easy. Well, you know, oh, okay, I guess. Um, he says, I've never downloaded movies or comics, but I have nothing against people who have or continue to do so. Awesome. Well, I have a I'm little, one of those. I have a little, it's not really a bone to pick with you, but every time, like, the new Walking Dead, and I was like, oh, I haven't read it yet. And, like, so you send me the, the CBR of it, and I read it, and I go, holy shit. But you know what? It, it Since I already read it, it slowed down my trip to the comic book store. And wouldn't you know it, that very one was sold out the next time I went there. The next one was the next one was there. So I was just like, oh, but I just went home and bought it off eBay. I got it for like three ninety five off eBay. So Awesome. There you go. But Yeah, I do, I do. Even though I'm I, the problem with that is that it you know, I'm getting my books online now. So I only get right. them once a month and it comes, you know, at a certain time of month. And and it feels like it. I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah, I want to read the new issue yeah, when it comes out. That. So yes, I'm downloading it, but I am yeah. buying it. You so see, that, well, get off my back. Oh yeah, well, you know, I mean, if I if I like something, <laughs> if I download it and I like it, I'm usually buying it. And if I don't like it, I'm not buying it, but I'm not even reading the one that I download. I probably throw it away, you know, I toss it in the trash. Right. So, you know, whatever. It's it's almost the equivalent of leafing through a comic in the comic book shop. And or something like, you know, something like that. I don't know. Whatever. We you know how we <laughs> stand on this topic. He wraps this one up by saying um, I'm not sure exactly what he meant to say here, but what it says is another thing. I all about your podcast running longer. I guess he means to say I'm all about. Says I'm all about listening 
to a two hour long episode. Thanks, man, Josh. Well, thank you, Josh. We appreciate the feedback. And it's uh, a good thing. Yeah, I think the that last was few have been a couple hours long. Yeah, I know. I know. We we do try to keep them reined in fairly tight, but yeah, sometimes it's just you know we got a lot of shit to talk it's about. It's hard so. to shut up sometimes. Yeah, it is. I was told today right, that this, I talked a lot. This is from our good buddy Mei Yi Chun, and man. This guy is giving awesome, awesome, awesome feedback. And, uh, well, I'll just dig into the first one here. He's got, uh, I, I echo everyone's compliments on the great job that you did in the top five TV themes episode number 59. So this tells you how far behind we are on answering some of these uh, yeah. emails and such. This is on the topic of shows that you may not have watched but still had great themes. I've always liked the opening theme to Magnum P.I., I'm glad to read on the forums that I'm not the only one who wasn't thrilled with the opening theme music to Star Trek The Next Generation. My displeasure isn't due to how they altered Jerry Goldsmith's music from Star Trek The Motion Picture as much as it is uh, the idea that TNG never got a distinctive individual theme of their own, like DS9, Voyager, or Enterprise, love it or hate it. Hate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm list. I'm watching Enterprise right now, and I just got to the third season, and I must revise my opinion. Now, I like the original song that they had for the first two seasons of Enterprise. I didn't. But anybody that thought I was referring to the one that they changed to in season three, I just want to definitely say that no, it's awful. It got worse. Yeah, it got worse. Oh. It, they, they did like a jazzy type of thing to it, and oh, it, oh I can't. Like I literally cannot listen. Some to Mike Post song, not anything against Mike Post, but you know, like Mike Post Star Trek music is. I don't even know how to describe it. it it's like take that same song and. and, and I, I don't know what they were trying to do. It's like they were trying to. I don't know. I, I can't even. I can't even define it. It's just I I literally can't listen to it. It's so bad. <laughs> he says, uh, whenever I hear that melody, I don't think of Picard and crew. I think of Kirk and crew from the first movie. That uh, me too. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. He says some TV themes that uh, wouldn't have made it uh, that would have made it on my own personal list are Mike. Giacchino, I'm, I'm always afraid I'm mispronouncing this guy's name. Michael Giacchino's work on Alias, Barry Gray's music for Jerry Anderson's marionette show The Thunderbirds, and the jazzy theme for the second season live-action 70s Spider-Man show by Dana Kaproff. And then he also gives a, uh, a YouTube link to where you can find that. So turning to episode 61, thanks for your responses to my email when I spoke of the Two True Freaks forums becoming one of my favorite sources of information. It was in reference to all the cool new stuff I was finding on the internet thanks to the links posted by various uh, forum members. This includes learning about the Inside the Magic and FilmScore monthly podcasts, the release of the Batman Mask of the Phantasm CD from La La Land Records, uh-huh. And more recently, the link to the interview about how the Star Trek screenwriters tried to fit Shatner into the new movie and the Star, uh, the Star Trek 2009, the abridged script from the editingroom.com. I want to know how they I, fit him into that outfit he wears. <laughs> <laughs> also enjoyed your story about seeing Batman Mask of the Phantasm when you had just moved to Georgia. 
Your talk about Fenshaisa prompted me to look up online how subsequent writers have tried to work him into continuity, and I was impressed at how hard they worked to retain as much of his personality and history as possible while trying to reconcile the discrepancies. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm right now. I'm I've just started reading. Um, Order 66 and I just got to the part where Fen Shisa showed up and I was just psyched and I was like oh this book suddenly went from like eh it's pretty cool to just oh it's fucking awesome yeah. because that's neat man that is so cool to incorporate characters from the Marvel stuff and Fen Shisa to me I think he's the, the coolest of the cool Marvel characters from the Marvel uh, Star Wars stuff so yeah it's awesome I'll I'll, I'll be giving a full review of that book when I'm done with it. But yeah, so far, loving it. Really loving it. So if you guys have seen uh, some of May Yi's posts on the forum and thought, wow, you know, and how well thought out they are and everything, and, and just the, the time he's taking to post, you know, these incredible posts, these uh, the emails he's sending us are, are just as well thought out and, and just as impressive. So here's here's a sample of some of the, uh, the great stuff that, that he's giving us feedback on. So this is another one. He says, uh, I wanted to let Chris know that I enjoyed his performance of the Star Trek theme song with lyrics in your top five TV theme show, episode well, 59. I thank him for putting perf- not putting performance in quotes. <laughs> he says, I've seen the lyrics before but could never figure out in my own mind how they were supposed to fit into the music. Now you, I know. Do you Thanks. really want to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't believe someone's thanking me for that, but and you're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I, I think it's pretty impressive that you just put yourself out like that. You know what I mean? That the, that, oh, I'd be, I'd be humiliated. I couldn't yeah. show my. Ha <laughs> 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 Not me. No shame, man. Wait till Dragon Con. Oh, oh no. No shame. Regarding the topic brought up on the forums about using an ele- an electronic reader for comics. I think that it will eventually get to a price point and level of convenience that that will make it irresistible to many people, much like email has supplanted regular mail in many situations. Personally, I don't like reading books or watching long videos on my computer, preferring the traditional paper and TV mediums. I still enjoy the tactile nature of comics and reading them as printed uh, matter using, as Chris pointed out, reflected light rather than the projected light of an electronic display. Uh, MP3s, movie files, and PDS uh, haven't replaced CDs, VHS tapes, DVDs, and books with me so far. However, I can't rule out buying digital media for those items that are unavailable through local sources. Unless they stop making comics on paper, I see portable digital book readers as a supplement, uh, supplement to but not as a replacement for traditional comics. I also don't envision replacing my boxes of nostalgia-laden back issues for the cold efficiency of a hard drive for a long time, if ever. Which, you know, I think that's an excellent point. I, I think that that's... See, that's how I thought would have thought you felt about it. I, I would have thought you mirrored him exactly. I was very shocked to find out that you didn't. It's not that I don't, you know, because I do still very much lean where he's saying, but yeah. it's just a matter of, I don't know. I, I, I think we talked about this quite a bit it's recently. Not a, it's not unthinkable to you. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's no longer you know just you know where I fall on it. Going, oh hell no, that'll never happen. Yeah, it's actually you know the the seed has been planted now, for for a number of reasons. He says, assuming that the media for portable readers will be distributed via the internet, bypassing retail stores, I would still want to continue to support my local comic book retailers who have provided me with my comics for so long. I find it enjoyable and easy to browse through items in person, but have little patience for doing that online. It's so much easy, so much faster, easier, and more enjoyable for me to flip through comics at a, at a comic store that little can measure up to that on the internet. Well, I mean, I'll agree with that because, you know, as awesome as the service, you know, the service I'm using currently is um, Heroes Corner. I just recently joined them. Love their service. Those guys are awesome. They're taking great care of me. But at the same rate, yeah, I kind of do lament the loss of the local comic shop. So, I mean, if you've got a great one, you know, that you really enjoy going to and they really take care of you, that's awesome that you want to support them. I mean, if we had a great one here in this area that I could go to conveniently, I'd totally support them. Unfortunately, you know, we don't. What what we have here is, you know, couldn't really be called a comic shop, and it's really just a front for drug addicts. So, nice. Yeah, yeah I can't support them. Now, Jack G. Martino, that's, uh, that's Johnny, Johnny Bueno, bueno right? Well, we got an uh, email here from Johnny Bueno. And uh, it was just a nice, short, and sweet one. It was titled, The Blackest Night. He just says, curious on your thoughts on this one. The art is pretty good. Looks like a cross between a zombie book and Marvel's Annihilation Conquest. Um, I don't really have my thoughts thought out enough, you know, like, like really organized or anything for this, other than to say... Hell yeah, I'm, I, I got the first issue. Um, I have yet to read the second one, but I, I love the first issue. Um, I'm reading the Green Lantern title right now, so you know I, I've been anticipating this event. I like what's happening in, in the core books, you know, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core. And uh, yeah, Blackest Night, I'm pretty excited for it. And I heard mixed reactions to the first issue, and, and so I wasn't sure what to expect when I finally got it in, in my shipment and sat down to read it, but uh, I read it, and I really, really enjoyed it. And one of the things I liked best about it was, uh, you know, you hear a lot of talk about Jeff Johns and all the different series that he's written, but I never really heard a whole lot of talk about the Hawkman book that he did, which I thought was fucking awesome. I mean, I, I really enjoyed his Hawkman stuff. I mean, Hawkman, to me, was always one of those just lame-ass characters. I was like, oh, Hawkman, he's stupid. But then I read um, Johns' Hawkman run and was just like, wow. I mean, he took this character and made him awesome. And I like that. I like anytime somebody's able to take a character that is kind of lame but has potential and runs with it and makes him awesome. And that's exactly what he did with that book. And and then in Black Knight, uh, Blackest Night, rather, number one, to basically come full circle around on Hawkman you know the f- the fulfillment of the prophecy and all that of how you know he and Hawk Girl's lives are all tied together and you know the faded lovers and all that. Though I, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm kind of dancing around the issue. But just the way that issue ended for Hawkman and Hawk Girl, I was like, oh yeah, that now that's awesome. You know that they finally 
started to come together and then boom, you know, the, the big thing that happened. So I thought that was really cool. And, and that hooked me, you know, that one thing alone was enough to, to just draw me into that event. So yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, not so crazy about, you know, uh, like zombie golden age Superman, but I'm, I'm curious to see how the whole thing plays out because I I really am. I want to know what's that. I said, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to find out in the end, are these the real people somehow made evil or is it just their reanimated corpses and some evil force is controlling them? And that's, that's where I'm curious to see where this is going to go. Because if it really is, say, somebody like the Golden Age Superman really back from the dead but now he's evil then i'm not crazy about that because i think that sullies that character but if it's just simply you know his his body or his uh you know some image of super corpse well yeah but you know like uh like an aspect of him you know what i mean like somebody's just you know making him appear evil or whatever then that could be cool I, i'm i'm just i, I want to see how it plays out before i i pass final judgment on it but uh yeah so far digging it awesome i i, I thought it was pretty cool excellent hey i think we should take a short little break and cool come back with more house cleaning housekeeping Bad stereotypes about us so-called nerds. Well, two true freaks are here to prove all that trash talk wrong. Come on into the captain's quarters, baby. Does the smell of mylar turn you on? What's that? Yeah, baby. All 97 long boxes are full to capacity. Oh, do you feel a little faint? Let me pull out my tricorder and take some readings. But first, let me draw these original Star Trek The Motion Picture curtains. Hey folks, it's Maury Clawhammer here, and I personally guarantee that Two True Freaks is always hot, and it's always topless, okay? And it's available 24 hours a day on the internets. Get your freaks on! TwoTrueFreaks.Libson.com Along with these, uh... Emails, be sure to go and check out our forum because uh, another email we got here from May Yi is he sent me a bunch of links. And this is where I first found out about Film Score Monthly finally releasing the complete soundtrack to James Horner's Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan score, which I did get and it's awesome. And uh, he also, you know, and I posted that link and he gave me a link about. Uh, a Star Trek special, a Comics International Star Trek special magazine. And then uh, the one I really wanted to draw attention to was he gave me a link to something called Tron Reboot, Ooh. which is a couple of episodes of like a like a Tron-based little comedy thing that was posted up on YouTube. It's hysterical. Oh, Did you I that? saw those. I saw yeah. those. They were hilarious. Yeah, very, very funny. I really got a kick out of that. So if you haven't seen that, go to the forum and, and look for that. It's really hysterical. That's and let me see. We got another one. Oh, this is actually. One. Do you have these on paper? Because it sounds yes. like you're flipping yes, through do. paper. Excellent. Yes, I, I had to print them out. Yes, picking I do. Picking it old school. Okay, I am picking it old school. Good. 
I'm trying to save my eyes. I don't have to stare at a computer monitor through all this. I like having the sound of... Uh... I'm all like Rush Limbaugh. I got the papers and shit right here. Uh-huh. Now I got a... I love this... this this could possibly be my favorite one from Mayi so far, and it's probably his shortest one. So I hope he's not offended by me saying that. But I just, I like this one because this is what it says. I just wanted to let you know that I've joined the forums. I was like, oh, that's awesome. We actually got somebody to join the forums. I was like, oh, cool. And, uh, you know, he was just calling, he was just writing to let me know. And then, of course, I wrote him back, you know, telling him, well, you know, I, I hope you'll still continue to send me, you know, the the feedback, you know, in the form of email. And just to allay my fears, then he sent me this one, which is a monster. But it's awesome because he's got just so many great talking points in this one. So this is the latest one I got from him. And it goes, uh, one of the things that I most enjoy about the Two True Freaks podcast is your ability to make me laugh out loud. Now, how awesome is that? I thought that was cool. I hope it's like in like when he's on a subway or something, you know, or someplace <laughs> inappropriate. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been listening to something on a podcast or whatever, and you just you laugh out loud, and people look at you like, "What the hell is wrong with that guy?" You blow snot out your nose. No, I've never <laughs> listened to things on head headphones, man. Not since I was a teenager. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't like it. Like, I don't mind doing this with headphones on, but like walking down the street, I certainly. Can't like I'd be taking my life in my own hands if I did it while I was on a bike. I drive with mine on. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't concentrate correctly. Yeah, I, and I, I like do. sort of being. I like sort of hearing my surroundings more for some reason. <laughs> but yeah. He says, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he says there aren't. That many media programs that I, that actually elicit an audible laugh from me, but comments like leaving poor Pike in a room with a door with hinges <laughs> and a doorknob had me cracking up on a consistent basis. Yeah, because you just picture him like backing up and bumping into the door over and over and beeping no. He says... I had a lot of fun listening to the gamut of topic you, topics you discussed in episode 62 covering the Menagerie Part 1, such as the speculation on how well Kirk knew Pike and the differences between the command styles of Kirk and Pike. Yeah, I had, I loved recording that episode because I yeah. thought some great discussion came up in that one. How various leaders in Star Trek uh, command their crews has always been an, uh, intriguing to me and why I pay so much attention when other Starship captains captains like Decker, Jellico. Uh, I don't recognize this name. It's K-E-O-G-H? Who is that? Keog. 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 I don't know who that is. Keog. Garrett and Sulu were shown. Uh, it's also interesting to note that the first appearance of Pike in the cage is showing him not showing him not at his peak he is clear, clearly tired depressed and irritable yeah i always thought that too that that was kind of interesting you know they they had just been through something what was it like a a big battle or yeah there seemed to be some sort of thing that he was a bit d- traumatized over you know that mm-hmm. the doctor was trying to calm him down about says i agree with your observations during the podcast that he is probably more of a thinker 
but it would be neat to see if he might be less brooding and tormented under better circumstances. Uh, what did I just say? Circumstances. I can't Circumstances. Circum- circumcisions. I should not be drinking for the show. Which I guess we have. So it's been uh, Diet Mountain Dew you've been drinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have not been laying into the alcohol. I think think we should have your computer won't boot up unless you you blow a breathalyzer. (laughs) I actually haven't had anything alcoholic to drink on the show in quite a long time. Maybe I need to get back into that. Maybe you got to start boozing it up. There you go. The show's going to turn me into a fucking alcoholic you watch. (laughs) Says which I guess we have in Star Trek Early Voyages, Star Trek Crew, and the prose works he's been in. I'm not sure on that. Now, uh, I may actually be getting a copy of Burning Dreams. I'm going to report back on that because I'm really anxious to to read that book. He says, regarding the form discussion for this episode, I always had a hard time believing that Harriman was captain of the USS Enterprise uh, 1701B in Star Trek Generations. He might have been plausible as the as the first time captain of a minor Starfleet vessel, but I could not accept that this fool was sitting in the center seat of the flagship of the Federation. In his subsequent appearances in uh, some novels, I think the writers did a good job of how he dealt with losing Kirk on his watch. Yeah, I think this is really directed at me because I I was somewhat of an apologist for. Uh, for Captain Harriman in generations. It's just how I've come to feel about the character, you know, over the years. But I, I, I have heard that common criticism that people were just like, how the hell did this guy secede yeah. Kirk, you know? But I think you got to kind of watch it and, and, and see it from the angle of, you know, yes, he's new and, and inexperienced, but I don't think he's so much a buffoon is that he's clearly – you know, he's got some really almost insurmountable odds against him. You yeah. know, he doesn't have the tractor beam. You know, he doesn't have a full staff. He just he got the never... worst thrown at him right off yeah. the bat. Yeah, and then, you know, to top it all off, you know, he's got this, you know, not only does he have the legend of Kirk to live up to right out of the gate, but then Kirk is right, right there. Right there, <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah, I mean, you know, by comparison, yeah, the guy's going to fall, you know, he's going to come up short with, you know, next to Kirk. But I don't know. I mean, I, I see both sides of the argument. But Plus, it's it's hard for me to just to hate on him simply because he's played by uh, – by Alan Ruck, who I think is just—he's cool. I always thought he was cool. You know, he's—he's he's, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller. You know, right, how could you right. be down on Cameron? Cameron's awesome. So cut him some slack, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, he had a hard time with his dad's car and everything. Yeah, see, he just recovered from that, and then he's on the Enterprise, and uh, yeah, that would have been awesome if somehow he had managed to back the Enterprise through a window. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to run its odometer backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have loved like, to have seen Latches that. onto a planet and just has Scotty run it in reverse <laughs> Before he Kirk says, comes home <laughs> This is another question raised about the pedigree of the 1701A Enterprise Sent me to my reference books I don't think Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise by Shane Johnson is considered official canon but I like everything in there, including the idea that the USS Tiho, T- T-I-H-O, Tiho, I don't know, NCC-1798 
was a brand new ship of the new Enterprise class as opposed to the Constitution class refit like the 1701 that had its name and registry number changed. This is given credence by the fact that before Kirk saved Earth in Star Trek IV, uh, I don't think anyone in Starfleet was about to give Kirk another ship, let alone build him a new Enterprise. Plus, this would have explained why the 1701A is so riddled with flaws in Star Trek V. It's a new ship uh, that needs its quirks worked out in a shakedown cruise. It's a beta. Yeah, I I could swear that somewhere or other I heard something very similar to this, but that it wasn't... Uh, now, this ship I've never heard of, the Tiho. I had heard it was something like a new... Ah, oh, shit, I wish I could remember the name of the ship. It was one of the ones we'd heard the name before somewhere in the classic series. It was was it the name of a type of a ship or something? No, it was it was the name of an actual starship we'd heard before, okay. like the Lexington or some shit like that. Yeah, and it was you know being made, and then you know about the time that you know Kirk needed a new ship at the end of the fourth movie, they basically just changed the name. And it became the new Enterprise. Because I remember reading something somewhere a long time ago. Oh, gee, how convenient was it that they had a spare Enterprise around in case Kirk broke his, you know? Which was a, you know, pretty snarky thing. But they had a good point, you know, that that is kind of silly. But I think the explanation that got put out, maybe this was in one of those best of Trek books or something, you know, that was like almost like a fanzine. That was like the internet before the internet, you know what I mean? For for Trekkers. But I remember reading that somewhere, and, and the explanation was that, well, it wasn't really intended to be the Enterprise Mark II. It was actually being built as this other ship, but then when they realized that they needed a new Enterprise, then they just changed the name, which, that's really cool, but also, you know, in nautical history, that's considered extremely bad luck. Yeah, you right, know, right, right. Ships, so... Personally, I never warmed to the 1701A and thought it was a pale shadow of the original, which had survived so much from being commanded by April, Pike, and Kirk to dealing with time travel, a doomsday machine, and being held in Apollo's big hand. The Star Trek Encyclopedia by Michael Okuda, Dennis, uh, Denise Okuda, rather, and Debbie Merrick mentions that Gene Roddenberry himself suggested that the 1701A Maybe a renamed USS Yorktown. Okay, there we go. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, appropriate, since that was one of the first names he came up with for Star Trek Central Star Trek's Central Starship before using Enterprise. That may be where I heard that then, because I knew I had read that somewhere that uh, somebody threw out the idea that it was actually renamed from other some other starships. That might might have been what I was thinking of. On a side note, one of my most vivid memories of watching movies was at the end of Star Trek IV. I was still young and naive and had believed that Star Trek III really meant the end of the USS Enterprise. Well, they said that right in the the trailers. Because my favorite trailer for that one is the one that says, uh, uh, The Final Voyage of the Starship Enterprise. If I can find that trailer, I'll have you play it in this episode. But it, it says that right in the thing. All that they've loved. All that they've fought for, all that they've stood for, will now be put to the test. Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. The word, sir? The word? 
is no. I am therefore going anyway. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Engage all the systems. Clear all moorings. Cleared, sir. One quarter impulse power. Someone is stealing the Enterprise. Warp speed. Klingon bird appraiser. She's army torpedoes. Shields up. The shield's not responsive. Fire! Sitting deck. Join us on this, the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. The adventure continues. Rated PG. So I don't, yeah, I don't think that's naive at all. I mean, that was, <laughs> you know, truth in advertising and all that. Yeah. He says, I remember standing up in the movie theater and gasping in surprise when I saw the new Enterprise swing into view with Kirk saying, my friends, we've come home. Of course, that was before we learned that they got the lemon we saw in Star Trek V. Yeah, now, I like Star Trek V. I know a lot of people don't, and I, I know a lot of people really dog that one. But as much as I do like V, that was one of the things I didn't like about that one, is that you know we see them streak off you know, to warp speed at the end of four, but then in the very next movie, you know, it's a piece of shit, and they can't get it to leave space dock. I wasn't really crazy about that idea. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, it seemed like a... Plot device. Yeah, but yeah, it, it seemed like a disconnect between the end of four and, and the beginning of five somehow. I don't know. Says I love the great personal stories you guys told in the toy episode sixty four. You know we have not gotten enough feedback about that episode. You and I enjoyed recording that one so much and really had a blast and and really told a lot of personal things in that episode and not didn't really get all that much feedback on that one. But this is some, this is what we did get and it's awesome. Says from what you did with toys as kids. Uh, to how you've tried to get some of your lost ones back as adults. They were all entertaining and had a great sense of nostalgia. I especially like the tale of the dog-eating Scott's Luke Skywalker action figure. He's uh, laughing at my good that, That's good that somebody enjoyed that story. Yeah, exactly. And his mom first hearing the use of the F word while throwing an Atari 2600 controller against the wall in frustration. Many, many, many an Atari 2600 controller met that fate, by the way. This is Chris. Oh, my God. Uh, how many controllers did I smash? I remember back in any, you know, NES, or it was probably the Super NES when you and Kevin would be playing Castlevania. There was just a box full of broken and battered and beaten you know, what were they? They were pads with that thing that you guys yeah. would just smash them against the ground in frustration. I'm telling you, I had calluses that would take a bullet from playing that fucking NES because that had the, the, the little T-square controller. Because that was the first, if I remember correctly, wasn't that the first controller that uh, that had the little T-pad instead of like an actual joystick? Yes, I think it was. So your fingers had to get used to the little joypad thing. And gee, um, I remember having aching, aching, aching thumbs for the longest time until they finally calloused over. Oh, it was brutal. Brutal. He says, Chris piqued my curiosity by mentioning some stories he had dealing with the USS Enterprise models that I don't think he came back to on the podcast. That's true. You, you never did come back to that. He said, maybe you'll cover that in another podcast or forum post. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> what, wait, what was his question? In what, the what, Troy what? episode, you mentioned um, models. And the, and you oh, were, my Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Wars models. Uh huh. Because well, oh. here, here he says USS Enterprise, but yeah, I think oh, you just yes. mentioned. Oh yes, no, I did. Oh, I know. I had a USS Enterprise, and the thing that about it was I fucked it up hard. <laughs> I just did. I did it. Well, for one thing, the nacelles on it uh, is that what they're called? The the two engines that come out. Uh huh. Is that called na- nacelles? They were sort of stuck in the side by two little plastic tabs. Now, you know how, like, model kits would just sort of have little holes with, a, you know, and a little tiny thing, and you would put a little glue on there, and that's how you'd glue it together. This thing had, like, a one-inch square sort of thing that you had to glue around and put it in there, and it just didn't, you know, you think they could have made a tab that would have just stuck in there without glue if they just, you know, if you just stuck it in long enough. But I glued it, and I put so much of that model glue on it that it softened up the plastic, and I could never get those nacelles to stay on it. They would fall off, and I would just glop yeah. glue all around the bottom of it, yep. trying to keep them on. And it would be like looking like dried snot all at the bottom of the, you know. And, and I had the movie. It was style one of my it. big disappointments, you know. And I would always get really disappointed when I had something like a neat model kit and I ruined it. You know, that really, really would upset me. I had the star. I remember getting the Star Wars Iron On set it was a book full of star wars iron-ons and uh my mom tried to do an iron-on of the chewbacca one and it didn't come out and i just flipped out and i was like ah and i there was i never tried to iron on any of the other iron-ons in that book i have it to this day which which iron-on book is this a star wars one star wars iron-on oh damn i've got that too yeah i've got it with the with the chewy one torn out of it but it's in there but it's torn out and it's all light because it was it was attempted, you know. It was an attempted iron-on that that went bad. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. That that one, I believe I had a Klingon battle cruiser at one point, or you know, a Klingon ship, and and that one came out a lot better. The only one I ever saw that was awesome was, you know, of course, my dad is. Uh... I don't know if you'd say professional model builder since he's never made a living at it, but my dad he's very good though. Yeah, he builds models. I mean, he could do it professional. He could do it for the movies. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He's that good. He's very precise. He, when we were kids, he built Randy, an original you know TV edition Star uh, Enterprise, and it was gorgeous. Ooh, I mean, you know sure how awesome my dad is at building yeah. models. My dad built me when I got out of the service. Um. Before I left, um, you know, I was when I was sta- when I was in the Air Force, I was stationed in the Rome Utica area of New York, and in Utica there was a model shop, and Dad and I went there. And the last purchase I ever made, you know, in in Utica was we went to that shop, and I bought the Titanic, which I had looked for. Like every time I'd go to that place, I'd look at it and go. Eh, maybe one day, maybe one day. And even back then, I mean, 20 years ago, that thing was a hundred bucks. And I finally bought it and dad built it. And it was gore. I mean, you could have used it in Cameron's Titanic. It was so detailed and incredible the way my dad built the thing. It was gorgeous. I mean, he's really, really awesome at building these models, which, you know, just hurts me that much more that I completely fucking suck at it. I couldn't build a model to save my life, but, but yeah, dad was, uh, dad's awesome with building models. Um, I, was, I was always passable with them, 
but like I almost like I was very successful with my R2D2 model and my Darth Vader model and my C3PO model, but they were pretty. If I remember, they like their numbers were really low of their skill level, so I don't think they were. I think maybe a couple of them might even have been snap togethers, which are just you know the, oh, yeah. the Spidey super stories of models. You just reminded me that Dad built me an R two D two. I had totally forgotten that. Do you remember that? It had little it had little things that would open up, and there was like the little jack thing that comes out that he oh uh, yeah like, it was he would beautiful. jack into computers. Yeah, I had yeah, yeah. totally forgotten about that. Yeah, that thing was gorgeous. I just remember him sitting there, and he'd have a cigarette dangling out of his mouth, and he'd have the you know he'd have his paintbrushes that were just one or two hairs on him. You know, and your dad, you you pictured him more. He was kind of the guy who would work on a real car, you know. And right. then he'd be doing these little tiny models and just sort of hunched over it. And, like, and when he wasn't around, we'd go look at him. And, you know, especially the cars, because he loved cars, would be just uh, lovingly detailed. Since I love the childhood model of the movie Enterprise that I had built and still have around, despite one of the nacelles having fallen off. See, I, that must have been a common problem with those because I, the only one I ever built from Star Trek myself was the movie-style Enterprise. I had the same problem that you were just describing with the nacelles. I, I couldn't keep the damn things on. Yeah. And by the time I finally threw it away, it had, like, giant balls of glue yeah, at the base blobs. of the cell. Yeah, because it was the only way I could keep them on there. It was yeah, ridiculous. it looked like Scotty had overheated the engines one too many times. <laughs> Since I have been interested in finding a replacement for it, but I haven't uh, liked any of the toys that have come out. Well, you know, there was those little die-cast Enterprise, and, well, it wasn't just the Enterprise. It was, uh, I know they did the Reliant... Well, I always wanted a die-cast Enterprise, like, suspended in crystal, like, during, um, what what was the one with the... the oh, yeah, Cat's Paw? Cat's Paw, yeah. yeah. I always thought that was the coolest, <laughs> that was the coolest thing about that episode, really. Like a little block of Lucite or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, and they are like, we're in an impenetrable force field all around us. <laughs> uh, it says, I have been, uh, where was I? The recent ones from Art Asylum and Hot Wheels just look too garishly painted for my taste, like a whore who has gone crazy with her makeup. A filthy whore. Now, I think the Art Asylum might be the ones I'm thinking of. I thought they were pretty impressive. I like those. I'm not positive that that was the ones that I'm thinking of, but they were what at Walmart. You, uh, I can tell you, you. Like they were at Walmart, whores? and they were about 12 or $15, something like that. Mm-hmm. So whatever those were, I don't know. And Hot Wheels, I didn't know that Hot Wheels put out any Enterprises. That's kind of cool. Says I also prefer to have the one seven oh one rather than the one seven oh one A. Oh for God's sake, just get a some white paint and just paint over the letter. <laughs> <laughs> he says, as you may have guessed from my rant and preceding paragraphs, my hope uh, lies in a new enterprise model kit that should be coming out at the end of the year from round two models. Yeah, but what what enterprise is it gonna be? Is it gonna be the one from the movie or you know the yeah. new movie or the original, or you would think it would be from the new movie. That's the brand new, latest Enterprise. I would mind having. I, maybe I should get back into models. It sounds appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it could be fun. And I've actually got an airbrush, so I could do the real, the real detail. I could put laser scores on it and and such. <laughs> Rust stains. You accomplished your mission in reviving fond toy memories in me with your toys podcast. Oh, I love hearing that. That's awesome. 
Since I had forgotten all about great stuff like Presto Magics and Color Forms, that's because that shit's not around anymore. I mean, kids today don't. They right. don't know what the hell. I don't they know. I think they may that. still make Color Forms. I Something tells me they still make Color Forms. Really? I think they're almost universal. I think we're just probably not hanging around like kindergartens that much. But I'll bet you they do still make Color Forms. It'll only take a quick check for me to find that out. <laughs> so as a kid, my conundrum was always choosing between G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Star Wars toys. I don't know. That was just never any contest for me. The Star Wars toys were awesome. Although I did envy the fact that G.I. Joe's, their their legs actually bent. You know, they had their knees bent. Because, yeah, Star Wars toys back then, you know, they didn't have joints. You know, they moved at the elbows and they moved at the... Whatever the not the waist, but you know what I mean. Like the legs could kick out, like like Russian Russian soldier style, but they didn't bend at all, which was kind of stupid. But uh, G- I never got into GI Joe. I had yeah, a couple. I. I had I had uh, I don't know, whatever the hell the radio guy's name was. See, I don't even know the characters. I had yeah. Snake Eyes, and I had the guy that worked the radio, and I had a I had the motorcycle. And that was it. I think those are all the G.I. Joes, you know, of the little tiny ones that I ever had. You know, I had big G.I. Joes with the Kung Fu grip and the... And, and the, the beard. Yeah, because they looked like my dad. So I like yeah, right. it. It's cool. Transfer. I never owned a single Transformer. Never got into Transformers. No, me neither. We were too even, old by that time. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we, were, we were getting out of action figures by that point. Yeah. So even then... Uh, I had worked out the relative merits and deficiencies of each toy line. G.I. Joe had the best articulation, lots of accessories, and a figure came with many of the vehicles, although they were a bit fragile. Transformers had the cool factor of being two toys in one and the cleverness of how they transformed. Many of them even had genuine metal in them. Star Wars toys seemed to be the most solidly built but lacked articulation. Yeah, absolutely. And seldom had figures included with the vehicles. I don't remember them ever having figures with the vehicles, did they? Oh, Except the, maybe for like the B-wing fighter or something like that. I, I don't. I don't remember that at all. I don't. Rem, I don't think they did. It doesn't. I don't seem to remember that at all. Yeah, any of the ones I ever got as a kid, and I had a lot of them. I don't remember any of them coming with an exclusive figure or anything, or even a figure at all. I remember, right. you know, the, like playsets. You'd get the playset, but it didn't come with anybody. So, so I mean, I mean so, I'm not arguing with him. He might be right that later, maybe later ones did. Because I didn't, I only ever got just a few figures, and I don't think I got any sets or or ships from Jedi. So maybe by the time of Jedi, maybe some of that stuff did have figures with it. I really don't know. I don't remember. He says it's interesting that all three of these toy uh, properties had solid media tie-ins from cartoons, uh, movies, and comics. Part of what made me lose some interest in Star Wars toys was the lack of a new of new Star Wars material after Return of the Jedi. Obviously, we love the Marvel Star Wars comics, but that never seemed to really be a toy a toy tie-in as much as Transformers and GI Joe. Yeah, they they didn't ever take advantage of that until relatively recently of the of any of the comic stuff for Star Wars. That's Since true. I mean, now they are, though. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Star Wars toys out now that are based, based on, on the not comics, just the Marvel yeah. stuff, but even like the Dark Horse stuff, which I right. think is awesome. I think that's really cool. It says, however, I still maintain that the majority of the Transformers and G.I. Joe comics hold up extremely well, uh, G.I. Joe more than Transformers, on their own merits. I also remember the, the toys like Starriers, Sectors, Visionaries, GoBots, and Kristar 
which tried to duplicate the uh, popularity of the aforementioned franchises, media tie-ins and all, but uh, with considerably less success. Yeah, I mean, I remember the the Crystal Warrior. Yeah, I I remember the comics of those, but I don't remember really the toys much at all. Maybe maybe because they they probably were there for you know there and gone, especially Chris Star, the Crystal Warrior. I've got scattered issues of almost everything he just mentioned there, too, and I I couldn't give that shit away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Says, the talk of catalogs reminded me of an activity my cousin and I would often engage in. We would flip to the toy section of the various catalogs and have to pick one toy on each page that we would want to have explaining why. And I think we used to do something similar to that, too. I, I miss that. That. You know, that's something I'm glad you brought up in that episode because I, I'd totally forgotten the joy as a kid of getting the first Christmas catalogs. Yeah, in the mail with all or, the colorful pictures and a whole, like, three or four pages of Star Wars and yeah. video, and then pages of video games and the, the Sears too. version of Atari and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's another one of those lost, that, you know, it's been lost to time because now, you know, now the kids just go to. Walmart, or they go online, or whatever, you know, and they, they, you don't get the. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a catalog with, the, you know, the toy section in it. Well, now Sears cat, old Sears catalogs sell for big money on eBay. Now they're becoming antique rather than just sort of a thing that showed up in your mail once a year, you know. Oh, this next part I love because this reminded me of something I cannot believe I forgot to talk about in the toy episode. He says, uh, Scott's account of losing his Thor action figure's hammer brought back memories of when I got my first Chewbacca action figure. My parents warned me not to open the package until we got home, and I didn't listen and promptly lost Chewie's gun in the confines of our own car. That's easy and to this, do. Or it reminded me of, uh, I don't know that you and I knew each other when I used to live at Carthage Arms Apartments. Did, did we know each other then? I don't think we did. I think we knew each other it's in school, but we hadn't started hanging out each other because I, I I did start hanging out at your house till you lived down by the paper mill. Right. Yeah. That yeah. That was a couple of years later. So when I got my Chewy figure, when I when we lived at Carthage Arms, there was this great sand pit not far from where we lived and all the kids would go there and play and we'd dig forts and stuff like that and have all these great battles out in this big old sand pit. And I had a chewy figure and I had just got the damn thing. And that day we went out and we had this great big battle. And when it was time to go, chewy was gone. I remember going out there for probably, you know, to a kid, time is weird you know so i probably didn't go out there for more than like a half an hour but to my kid mind it was like i searched for days and days and days you know trying to find it never did find it i ended up finding out a long time later that one of the kids i was playing with that day just fucking scarfed it and walked off with it you know but i'd always thought you know how how could i be so careless you know i'd lost my brand new chewy but uh, i just thought that was funny that his story reminded me of the fact that I, i lost a chewbacca Says I also, uh, I was also always losing the oven mitts that served as the Mego Batman's gloves, and they did look like uh, oven mitts too. Yeah, they sure did. Says uh, although uh, I was very good at keeping almost all the other accessories intact in my other toys. Yeah, I, th- I don't think my Aquaman ever kept his gloves for more than like the first five minutes out of the box. He was always losing his gloves too. Says, as a kid, I also experienced the agony of waiting six to eight weeks for my mail order Steppenwolf 
and Battle Helmet Cobra Commander after dutifully submitting the required number of proofs of purchase points clipped from my superpowers and G.I. Joe toy packaging. That was something else we never talked about was superpowers figures. I had superpowers figures and loved superpowers figures. Uh, he says, I recall that I usually forgot that they were even coming by the time uh, that the premiums arrived in the mailbox. Yeah, that was that would be awesome to finally get those things in the mail. I never yeah. forgot, though. It seemed like an eternity for me because I never forgot that they were supposed to be coming in the mail. This is one of the cooler toys I remember having was a large-scale Robin doll, maybe 10 inches tall, that I got in Canada. Embedded in his hands and feet were magnets, which enabled him to dangle from various metal surfaces. I, I had remember wanted that. Bat- yeah, I remember the ads for that, but I never, yep. I never actually saw it anywhere. I just remember the ads in the comics yep. for him. Since I had wanted Batman, but the only ones left were the Boy Wonder. Well, you know what? Bat- Robin back then was cooler than Batman anyway, as far as his look. I, I think Robin in the old, you know, well, because Ferris as a kid, you as a kid you could identify with Robin. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, just, I always thought that Robin was awesome. I, I kind of, I, I actually, I miss that look a lot. As cool as Robin is today, I miss the old, you know, the funny looking Aquaman shorts and the and the fairy slippers and all that. I think there's something cool about that outfit. It says thanks for posting the pictures of toys you talked about on the forums. A wonderful feature of Two True Freaks is how the podcast is a catalyst for all the great dialogue that occurs on the message board. See. I keep telling you, people, go to the forum. I must also give you praise for the creative and humorous little uh, title cards on your webpage that accompany each podcast. See, there you go, Chris. You're finally uh, getting you. some kudos for all that hard work. Chris does to, those, and they're amazing. Just to give people a heads up, I have had the first printing of two True Freaks promotional posters which is a replication of one of those title cards called, Hey, Obi-Wan, your lightsaber is showing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And it's a take on the old Charles Atlas involving two true freaks making a man into a He-Man. And uh, basically what it is, it's on, you know, heavy, uh, you know, decent poster paper. It's not like a photocopy. It's a nice big, you know, 11 by 17 poster. And at the bottom, it has a whole lot of those little tear-off things like house for rent or guitar lessons, except it just has our website. So if you really want one or two of these posters, you can write to us at Two two Freaks, and we can arrange to make that dream come true, as long (laughs) as you promise to take it to your LCS. And, you know, you're going to have to take it. Well, you know what? Just to be a nice guy, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a pair of scissors and I will cut the little tabs for you so you don't even have to cut the tabs. And uh, you just go and take it to your LCS and ask them if you can hang it up or if they can hang it up or post it up somewhere. Post it up at your college. Wear it around like a like a sandwich board. I don't care. You know, I'll send you a couple. You can stick one up in your room so you can enjoy the colorful pictures and and bright writing. But yeah, they're they're out and about now, and uh, hopefully I'll keep making different runs of them. So you could keep switching them for fresh new ones, or you can poster plaster your entire wall with them. 
How's and that's that for not a all. Order now and you get Ginsu knives. You can cut a tin can or a cinder block. <laughs> Dissect a human corpse in three <laughs> minutes or under. <laughs> <laughs> he says the time and effort you tired of getting sore wrists from sawing through that human corpse? You bet. <laughs> it's the two true freaks Ginsu knife. Sorry. He says the time and effort used in creating each one is appreciated. See, you're appreciated, Chris. I keep telling you you're under you're unappreciated, but you're actually appreciated. Uh, Especially fun were the captions declaring you as the galaxy's sexiest Star Wars podcaster. Well, that's just truth and advertising. Why is that right funny? There. Why? And, hey, why is that funny? Why is it what, funny? What I, are you I, saying? I now, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him. You think that's funny? What are you saying? We're ugly? <laughs> you're saying we're not sexy? I know you're a guy and you're not supposed to think of us as sexy, but, you know, you could at least say it to make us feel good. Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> two nude, two nerds against the universe. <laughs> I, I thought that you were going to say two nude freaks. Yeah, two nude two freaks. Two nude freaks. As well as the alterations to the issue number and company identification to match your podcast for episode 65. You've actually done that for another uh, a number of episodes, I believe, haven't you? Yes, I do it for all of them to avoid copyright <laughs> issues also. <laughs> this is another great aspect of that episode was the care taken in selecting seldom heard uh, takes on Star Wars music. I enjoyed hearing the extended uh, acapella Star Wars sequence by the end of, or at the end of the podcast. We the actually swingle didn't get singers. Some email. Yeah, we got some email from We got from an those email people. from a swingle singer because I identified them because the track that I had downloaded said the Swingle Sisters. So I, I identified them several times as the Swingle Sisters, which in fact they're the Swingle Singers. And they've been around for a long time. My, I guess they're really famous for doing Bach some songs by Bach and like classical tunes where they really like their Star Wars one they really broke that down and captured the essence of it and put a lot of personality in it while sort of replicating an orchestra not sort of but actually replicating an orchestra it's really nice, nice what I thought work, was Wingle Singers what I thought was more awesome than them contacting us to tell you, you know, to correct us, was that they weren't contacting us to say um, you owe us money now no they so, were actually thanks for Thanks for using our song, and your. We're probably not the first p- people to do it in podcast land, but and won't be the last. So, they probably do searches every once in a while to find out who's playing their Star Wars. But that's cool. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right on, Swinkle sin- Singers. Right on. <laughs> Fight the power. He asks us, uh, by the way, when you get to your Star Wars movie review, will you be using the Star the uh, special edition? No, we will not. And uh, that's uh, that's next episode, right? Yeah, that we will correct. not be talking about the special edition, other than if we mention it and poo-poo Dismissively, it. yes. He says, I personally think that the special edition versions of the films do much more harm than good. I love this guy. And still prefer... The unaltered originals. Yeah, that's what we're, you know. We're talking about it in the context of when we saw it too. So the special editions were just a fart in the wind. Then they were just a polyp in George Lucas's butthole at that point. 
He says, Scott, you presented your viewpoints well during your appearance on the Alternate Reality Podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Since you came across as confident in your opinions and not dismissive of dissenting points of view. Well, you know, that's only the parts that you actually heard on the air. I actually discovered Two True Freaks when you were a guest on the Superman episode of CGS. Oh, Ah. fucking cool. And was so impressed by your appearance that I gave Two True Freaks a try and haven't looked back since. That's awesome. That's a quote that you put on your poster. Yeah, damn straight right there. I love that. Since I'm glad you brought up libraries as a resource, since I didn't know any of my peers who regularly use them. Actually, I got I have a confession to make. That was kind of just a cover my ass statement right there. But uh, yeah, some comment some libraries do get comics and trades and stuff like that. Um, my local library is shit and does not. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some truth to that statement, I guess. Yeah. I actually buy very few books because in my past experience, I only want to read the majority of them once. For the very few uh, that I either want to own or can't get in the libraries, I purchase. Plus, there are tons of graphic novels and trade paperbacks that I wouldn't risk spending money on but would gladly check out of the library. I've read stuff like Runaways, Zot, Watchmen, uh, Clan Clan Apis, Apis, A-P-I-S, I don't know what that is, Asterius Polyp. Jimmy Corrigan, the smartest kid on earth. Mouse. Ah, I've read those. Those is that are, good? Well, it depends. <laughs> on, I love them. The guy who writes them, they're the saddest things. They're depressing, and they're sort of written in the twenty, in this tw- drawn in this twenties, very detailed architectural and old comics mixed together, and all the comics are different sizes and shapes and. Insanely expensively and beautifully bound, and he makes like on some pages he makes cutouts that you can cut out and fold that are super intricate. It's it's more like a piece of art that you look at and go, wow, this guy put a lot of work in it. And if you read the stories, they're kind of meandering, but they all tie in to some really depressing thing about somebody being really horribly oppressively lonely. <laughs> so, you know, judge for yourself whether it's good or bad, but it's really, it's impressive work, for sure. He also mentions um, Mouse, which yes. is that thing about the, the Nazis, yes. and uh, many volumes of Bone, thanks to the libraries. Now, Bone, I bought uh, my youngest boy, Logan, um, a Bone volume. I found it at a garage, or a... Uh, Yard sale for like fifty cents, and the boy tore through that thing. Yeah, and I, one, I got one like after the first, loved it. I got the first collection of Bone at a garage sale, and I read it, and it was for kids, but it was good. It was, it, you know, mm-hmm. was, I, I whipped right through it and wanted to read more, and never yeah. have. That's how and he was, was really too. Good. And I love Mouse. That's uh, Art Spiegelman, another mm-hmm. guy who sort of got his start in underground comics by doing weird, like one of the first comics I got from Walt was comics book number one and two and one of those had a one of them had a mouse short piece in it that ended up in the book you know or adapted later into the book so it was like number two was always worth a lot more because it had the first mouse appearance in it but he had one where he did a detective story and the whole you know wall of the comic book page was 
was being torn apart, you know. It was almost like modern art mixed with a detective story with this little midget detective. <laughs> but I like Mouse, I think, is his, like, big masterpiece. It's a great... Both volumes are really good. He says, I can relate to your outrage at Peter Parker making a deal with the devil in one more day. He says, I picked up Starman number 11 because I'm a big fan of the Justice Society of America. And James Robinson wrote a story featuring them in that issue. The ending of the story was something I vehemently objected to. I I vehemently object. (laughs) I thought it was completely out of character for the JSA to act the way Robinson wrote them as behaving. Since I didn't collect Starman, I didn't have uh, to make the choice of whether or not to drop the title. I probably wouldn't have if the enjoyment from the comic outweighed what I considered a mistake. However, I've always been a bit wary of how James Robinson writes the JSA ever since. I wish I could remember this story that you're talking about in Starman number 11. I need to check that out again sometime and and see exactly what you're referring to. But uh, I'll just tell you that uh, personally, I I consider Starman by by Robinson one of the finest comic books ever written. It was a fantastic series. Really, really good. And... uh, yeah, I wouldn't judge the whole series just on that one issue because that was a, a series that was a little bit slow burning at the very beginning, and I couldn't tell you exactly when it suddenly just took off, but when it did, it did, and it was fantastic. Really, really good uh, series, and one of my all-time favorite standalone issues is from that series. It was the uh, the issue with... Uh, that reveal basically whatever happened to Scalp Hunter. I, I wish I could remember what issue it is. It's late in the series. It's almost at the end of the series. Uh-huh. But it was a it was one of those stories they they referred to them as times past stories, where they kind of told like a you know like a flashback tale type of thing. And it was uh, it was just a, a great and very very moving story of friendship. It was a, an excellent excellent story. I guess I take a middle position between what you guys were discussing about either keeping a title no matter what or dropping a title and never touching it again. I'm happy to try an issue of a comic based on reviews, word of mouth, and or the oh-so-important flipping through the actual issue at the comic store and just as willing to drop the title again if I'm not enjoying it anymore. I think that's uh, very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) I enjoy Ed Brubaker's Captain America... Although I think I was more impressed by how Mark Wade handled the character. Oh, I love this guy. I, I so totally agree. I think the Ed Brubaker stuff, while it is good, I think is so, so, so fucking overrated. Mark Wade had a much better handle on Captain America. People get over the Brubaker thing. Wasn't there a cheesy movie called Brubaker? <laughs> yes, there was. I think Starring had... like Roger Daltrey or something like that. I thought it had... Uh, uh, Reynolds, uh, oh, Reynolds. yeah, Brubaker. I don't, I really don't remember, but yeah, there was a Brubaker movie. Brubaker's cap brings the character down to earth with a cynical, gritty espionage feel to the title and a strong set of supporting characters. Wade excelled at portraying the more super heroic aspects of Cap, and a more idealistic, optimistic tone pervaded his run. God damn straight, that's what I liked about it. I'm really enjoying how Bucky is trying to live up to the Captain America mantle in the current series and would like to see his story continue. 
However, I can see Steve Rogers returning and not necessarily becoming Captain America again. I just got to tell you that I know I'm going to get beat up for this, but I'm just going to be honest. I hate the fact that they brought Bucky Barnes back. I think that Bucky should always be treated the way he had been treated up until they brought him back is he was one of the untouchables. There are certain characters you don't fuck with. One of them being Ben Parker, one of them being Bucky Barnes. I think there are just certain characters that just, you you don't mess with them. And I never liked the fact that they brought Bucky back. I don't think they're using him to great effect and I can't wait for Steve Rogers to come back. So that's all I'm going to say on that. All right, feel free to beat me up for it, but that's how I feel about it. What did you guys think of Star Trek crew number five? What did you think of it, Chris? Have you read that one yet, the last yeah, issue? Yeah, we talked about it on our last Star Trek month. I think it was Star – no, it was, maybe it was Comic Monthly Monday. We loved it, and I was very disappointed that that was actually the last issue. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even didn't, notice didn't that it was the last. Yeah, that's right. I was just I started talking and speculating on what was going to come up in the upcoming issues and May he says nothing. that he thought it was the weakest issue of the miniseries, although not a bad comic by any means. I guess I wanted to see a whole issue with Pike in command. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I I did want to see him become the captain. Says I like how he and number 1 were unsure about Spock be- beaming over with them. Uh, but I thought that the main plot was a bit sterile and antiseptic and not very emotionally engaging. The ending was also a bit abrupt. I don't know. I think that's a little harsh. I, the only problem I had with that fifth issue was the alien guys that they meet in that issue reminded me an awful lot of those those ghost guys that Mario battles in uh, – I don't want I, I like don't know Super Mario Castle yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I know nothing about Mario, but my kids play this game. It's uh, Luigi's Mansion, and in that they yes. he battles these ghost guys, and that, they did look a lot like those ghost guys from the Mario thing. So, but other than that, I mean, I I thought it was good. I thought it was just as good as the rest of the issues of the series. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of sad that it's not. I would love to see that become a series. I'd read that. I'd read a number one series. I thought it was great. Uh, he says, since Two True Freaks was directly responsible for reigniting my passions for DC Star Trek series, uh, I thought it was only fitting that I give you credit for it here. And he sent a beautiful, beautiful art piece that he did. If you saw the Star Wars one that he did that had Fen Shisa and Valance the Cyborg and all the other like Marvel Star Wars characters on it, He's created a new piece that's Star Trek, very much in that same spirit with like the DC Star Trek characters in it. It's just a gorgeous piece of art. We've got it up on the forum, so please uh, take a look yeah. at it. He wraps up by saying, thanks for the hard work on the podcast and in the forums. Take it easy, May Yi Chun. Thank you, May Yi, for all the great feedback that you provide to us. We really do appreciate it. We really do read it, and uh, it's awesome. And you, you always have such uh, great points and, uh, and just really nice insight. I really, really, really appreciate all the awesome feedback. And that's it for the uh, – listener feedback portion of the oh, show let's uh, did you have some forum stuff that you wanted to talk no, about no no i'm i'm good awesome i think we uh we'll take a break and we'll come back with uh we're going to talk about uh, some of our expectations and such for dragon con and maybe we'll even have a little guest interaction treat for you Ooh. 
The following segment of Two True Freaks has been edited for time because all the participants have big fucking mouths. And now, Two True Freaks present the incredibly huge, exciting anticipation leading up to the Two True Freaks going to Dragon Con. We're biggity 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 back, and it's our the third section of our. You like that? We're biggity 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 back, and it's wiggity 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 whack at the frickity free free two true freaks, two true frickity frickity freaks. What the hell is wrong with you? All right. Oh, I hear the phone ringing. We're bringing on two. We're good. This is our gloaty part of the show where we talk about going to Dragon Con and how much fun we are and how much misery those who aren't are going to be in. All right. Ringy, ringy. We got guests. Hello. Ooh, it's Mr. Eric Greencap Peterson. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? How's it going? Who's the other one? I can see him, but I don't hear him. Can you guys I hear hate me? that expression, by the way. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> okay. What's up, man? Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first time I pissed you off, Scott. <laughs> when, when would you ever piss me off about anything? <laughs> oh, I'll try. Just wait. Wait till next weekend, or two weeks from now. <laughs> but Scott is so even-tempered and hard to anger. Isn't he, though? Yeah, hey, Adam, what's up? Uh, not much. Literally nothing, because, you know, I don't have a job, so I can't do anything when I, even if I wanted to. Well, we're we're probably like three of four here. Who's a all right? Everyone who's jobless, raise your hand. Me, me. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Technically, <laughs> I have a job, but I'm trying to get rid of it. But they keep pulling me back in. It's because you're so loved. It 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 it, it is. Yeah. Because we're all about the love. One of my favorite lines is in uh, Raising Arizona where John Goodman says, uh, you're young and you got your health. What do you need with a job? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, we won't be thinking about jobs in a couple weeks when we're at Dragon God. <laughs> and what? Uh, Scott, Scott and I just received news today that we're going to be on a couple Star Wars forums. Awesome. Panels. 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 That's right. Forums. Whatever. Panel forums. Panels. And uh, so we're going to be talking about Star Wars. Possibly you... the... Whoops, sorry. I was just going to say, what do you guys know about Star Wars? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we, we snookered them, but good. We're going to find out how much we don't know about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sure we will. We're going to get there and well, be like, who are these fucking yin-yangs? They don't know. They don't well, know about... The dude way in the back, and the you know number A three four seven of the stormtroopers, they, they they got no cred. So we'll we'll, we'll find out how bad. Well, we, hope, well, we uh, hopefully you don't have performance anxiety because you know you'll be sitting there and they'll be uh, like, uh, uh, well, uh, in in episode two uh, when when uh, that one man uh, did this and 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 you'll be like, uh, I like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I I like zombies. Or- 
Well, you could always you could always use my stock answer. Um, I used to be on you know showing what a nerd I am. I used to be on our brain brawl type of team in high school. It was called High yes. Q for our. Our school. Mine was whiz quiz. Yep, the exact same thing. So, our our default answer whenever we didn't know the question uh, was always Donald Duck, because you didn't get penalized for answering. Answering, so it would be like you know, what is the square root of the equation of two hundred twenty seven thousand? And we'd be like, Eric from Saint Augustine, uh, that would be Donald Duck. Uh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I was on academic team and the science Olympiad. So. Yes. Well, hell yeah. So we are like going to be the ultimate nerd brigade. <laughs> oh, my God. How did I get You know what the sad thing is? The least no, nerdy person won't. in the room. How did that happen? <laughs> yes, Scott's like, I, I used to beat you guys up in high school. <laughs> I don't know if that's happened yet. But, yeah, um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say, boy. I have something great to say about this whole – Mission accomplished. This whole – Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, they gave us about five different panels that we could be on. And I think Thanks. the two that Scott and I picked that we, we you know, said we were most qualified for was a Clone Wars one and adult themes of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was actually wondering, I have Eric, to bring up incest in that, by the way. Hell so yeah. We'll see who gets to it first. Yeah, that's the first one everybody's going to be charging for that one. Oh, I didn't think oh, yeah. that seemed obvious, but all right, if you say so. That's, to me, it is. Besides just, the whole well, as long as Luke as long as you bring thing. up bondage with uh, slave Leia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just of the opinion that Luke did get some of that at some point. We didn't see it. We weren't privy to it. But well, I'm they were gonna. Sure. They certainly weren't gonna talk about it. Yeah, that's gonna be a really awkward conversation later. Exactly. They, they yeah. just gloss that over. You know, maybe Han might bring it up someday late at night if they're drunk and be like, didn't you and Luke? And she'll just be like, drop it, Han. Yeah. Just just drop it. I'm determined but, um, that they're going to have to get Lucas in there to like, listen, like drag us out. You know what I mean? For the, for the adult theme one, I think, Scott, you and I should come to it wearing like Playboy style smoking jackets. <laughs> You know, I thought you, you were going to say slave jacket. bikinis. No, <laughs> there'll be plenty of those around. No, no and, not and with, our smoking not jackets and, and pipes. I, I think we should show up with 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 you know a a, a bathrobe and a pipe. And you know, swanky. Yes, exactly for the adult themes and be just like yes. Well, I would say if our if our room was snazzy enough, you could get the pajamas that they put in those expensive rooms. But uh, we're going to be in a broom closet, so it doesn't really matter. You could wear you could wear one of those little garment plastic bags that they put in there for dirty laundry. Now, when you say that, you mean we're literally we got the broom closet. We were sort of laid on the reservation, and that means we're living in a broom closet. Absolutely. So, if there's any, you know, if people are puking at a party up in, uh, <laughs> you know, the sixth floor, they're going to be calling us. You know, oh, guys, yeah. But if somebody's puking at our party, we can clean it up on the spot. I'm straight. I once we vacuumed can, can, up a bunch of puke at a party at a penthouse in a hotel <laughs> once. And that was awesome. I mean, I hate, I hate to be the, the janitor who found it, but they had left a vacuum out in the hall because the hotel was doing some renovations. Sure. And this, this guy just ralphed all over the carpet of the place. I mean, just cleared out the room. You know how horribly nasty vomit smells. Oh, yes. So I was trying to think. It's like, oh, God, I, I'm the only one left. I have to clean up, and you know the room's in my name. 
So I, oh. I, I was like, wait a minute, there's an industrial vacuum in the hall. <laughs> so so just, you left a treat for whoever had to oh, change yeah. that thing the next I just, day. I mean, yeah. and there, it had to have filled that bag. It was like full of steak tartare yeah. or something like that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were a lot kinder than I was because uh, our, our local mall, I feel sorry for the, for the poor bastard who has to clean up there because uh god this was oh, no. a couple, probably a year or so ago we ate at johnny rockets and I, oh no why what the fuck i ate did you get a case I, of the johnny rockets my, my wife went into jc penny's and i laid out front on a bench going oh dying and all of a sudden, I said, "Oh, that's it! I'm gonna heave." So I ran into like the maintenance corridor that that runs sure. behind yeah. all the businesses, and just and just casually walked back out, feeling much better later on. Thinking, "God, I wonder who's gonna chance across that later." Well, I once uh, I once threw up so hard that I woke up both of my roommates. I was very <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> How did this go into a? a, a We're anticipating drama. Dra- yeah, dra- this drama con, dragon, dragon, dragon con. It really all does relate, you know. Yeah. Um, speaking of Johnny Rockets, I, I just pulled up the Dragon Con thread, and, and Boost 2099 has put up a 10 percent discount at participating yep. Johnny Rockets. I was just going to tell you. <laughs> we might have to have a Johnny Rockets. Yeah. It's, Podcast See, I, I am totally unfamiliar word. with that place too. So. I have no idea what it is, but it yeah. sounds like a it's, it it's sounds like a, like a gastrointestinal nightmare. Oh no, no, it's a great. It's like a it's like a fifties like style diner. Yeah, it's, it's actually a, a really oh, nice okay. place. But I just got some bad chow or something. It <laughs> fucked me all up. Johnny Rockets in the Atlanta Aquarium. I wonder if they serve fish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Well, I'm just I'm determined not to throw up at Dragon Con, so I'll just throw that out there right now. I have we'll never what... thrown up at Dragon Con. I'm very excited. Yeah, and neither <laughs> have I. Yeah. So Scott will be the first. So what are we uh, determined to do at uh, at Dragon Con? Do we 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 still don't have the schedule yet, so it's a little yeah, bit this... tough to to plan much of anything. Well, the schedule as it stands now, what is it, the twenty second or early morning on on the twenty third Sunday? So they're going to post the schedule tomorrow at some point during the day. Awesome. So we can at least have a, a you know something to look at to figure out a little more of what you might want to do. Now, bear in mind, as you guys have never been there, um, well, the two of you, um, the schedules do change. They don't yeah. generally t- change a ton from the pocket program, but there but are it's they, not yeah like a Bible. Because I mean, a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll see, you know, they'll see a line for a panel, and then they'll suddenly freak out because, oh my God, you know, suddenly so and so is really popular this year, and we never anticipated it. So they'll they'll move the panel to another hotel or another ballroom or something, and, and then uh, they have to rearrange like six other panels, and yeah, it can become a little messy. But I mean, it, it goes pretty smoothly, so I wouldn't. It's you know. such a huge logistical thing that you know you gotta expect it to. To, to sort of be like that, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm sure people aren't getting rich off this, so there's just probably a lot of people working their asses off from yeah. six, you know, six to eight months ago, and in the last four months, they're, they've probably been just busting their asses trying to get everything organized and everybody's schedules right, and 
Well, yeah, and you can imagine like uh, what adding somebody like William Shatner to the schedule, to basically the Does, last minute like yeah. they've done has done mm-hmm. in the schedule. Like, <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, because you can't just sandwich him in between, you know, some costume contest and, <laughs> you know, the She-Ra discussion, you know. Well, you could as long as he joins it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that'd be awesome. I mean, I would pay. I don't know anything that. about She-Ra, but who is this She-Ra? She-Ra. Has She-Ra? Ah, climbed... yeah, She-Ra. <laughs> Why did She-Ra climb the mountain? Some people pronounce it She-Ra. I pronounce it She-Ra. I think we need to have some sort of contest where we get people to write the text of whatever promo we're going to buttonhole William Shatner and make him say for two true freaks. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, we should be so lucky. I I want him to say something like, two true freaks. I have had enough of you. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, of course. Best as long case as he doesn't is... kick me in the face while he's doing it, I'd be. I'd... He can kick me in hey, the face, yeah, man. As long as you get it on tape, that's all. Kick me in the face, man. As long as that camera's rolling, kick me hard, man. Break my glasses, break my nose. I won't sue you. Shatner broke my glasses. Shatner, Shatner broke my nose. That sounds like the name man. of a band, does it yeah. not? Shatner broke my glasses. <laughs> I was going to say Shatner broke my nose would be a punk rock but Shatner broke my glasses says way more about yeah. the whole thing sounds like some, some... I, I was going to say I would be willing to bet that if you bought an autograph from him and had a tape recorder there he would say something for you oh sure yeah yeah and yeah then... yeah that's now here speaking of autographs now I'm going to run this by you guys because I didn't really have a forum to um to bring it up in now i i am not one who likes to spend money on autographs um and, and even if there's some cool people around i just i have this inherent thing against actually spending cash on or at least yeah. big cash on autographs i'm one of, i'm one of those people that doesn't have money to spend on well, autographs yeah, well there's that too right. <laughs> but i have to rely on my charm yeah <laughs> well i don't know if they can sign your charm well, my girlfriend got a free autograph out of george romero um, well, that's a girlfriend too. She was wearing <laughs> exactly. Oh, and speaking of not to be the you know bearer of bad news, but did you guys see Romero canceled? Yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah. I already got him to sign all my dead movies though, so I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I'm totally on board with you, uh, Eric. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm I'm psyched for this and all the people that are going to be there, but I've already made up my mind that you know if they if they get all whatever about. Mm-hmm. signatures then you know i'll just skip on to the next person or whatever well, now, I'm not about every, paying for it and i'm not about the the little you know i'm not about i'm not about i'm not i never want autographs i don't ever you know i'm not a big fan i don't really care you know well, here, so here's I'd, my, I'd rather just talk to them for 10 seconds so. yeah that's what i usually no, I, do shake their hand and tell them i'm a big fan well here's my thing on on that i was having this dilemma about i was kind of like cleaning up some of some stuff or moving some stuff around in my junk geek room and I had forgotten that back in the like early 90s I picked up a a rare piece because it was on sale of uh, Trek memorabilia it's a it's a matted and framed laser disc the actual disc itself but oh. it's a it's a 25th anniversary Star Trek laser disc and etched on the disc is um, each of the or the logo from the original series, the logo from Next Generation. It's got the 25th anniversary logo, and it has an etched picture of Shatner and um, Patrick Stewart. 
who, right? who are both going to be there. Who are both going to be there. And I was thinking, you know, whether it was just for personal edification or, or for future investment possibly, you know, I'm thinking maybe it would be worth the investment of whatever they're going to charge, depending on what they charge, to get that signed by, by each of them. Now, Scott, I know how much you hate the rabbit, but Patrick Stewart would be an interview for the rabbit. Because then I could use the line, you know, how does it feel to be a Shakespearean trained classical actor and now you're talking to a fucking stinky rabbit puppet? <laughs> I love asking that question. I never said I hated the rabbit. I think you hate the rabbit. Am... It's, good, it's good drama, man. It's good drama. You hate the rabbit. Hate, hate, hate <laughs> the rabbit. I've always heard rabbit. you hated the rabbit. Yeah. Kill the rabbit. From what I know about Patrick Stewart, he would probably per- probably be perfectly willing to talk to the rabbit. Yeah. Of course he would. Of course <laughs> he would. But you know, I that's what you know. I I, I just love people going. Hey, you know, they you know they're talking about when then when Frank Zappa said, and I'm like, and now you're sitting in a hotel lobby <laughs> talking to some stupid guy with his hand up a rabbit's ass. How does that feel? (laughs) uh, Here's the rest of my problem, though, with that autograph. I was trying to do a little research to find out how much these guys might be charging because they never tell in advance. Now, you can go to Shatner's own website, and he charges for just like signed 8x10s. He charges between 60 and 80 bucks. Right, yeah. I had I had I had heard like Mark Hamill charged a hundred dollars or something for his autograph, so I had so fully the expected con, it's probably going to be like fifty bucks, right? Well, no, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I mean, it'll be interesting. But at least we have a range, right? Yeah. But then I was thinking, okay, well, let me look for Patrick Stewart. Couldn't find much, and I'm thinking, oh well, he'll be a little hair under that. I found a lot of autograph dealers, and almost all of them who will sell the Shatner autograph for you know anywhere from like eighty to hundred. Patrick Stewart, it's like two hundred across the board. Because he doesn't do many. Maybe. Well, that's what I yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh god, he's going to be one of these guys who you know never shows up. I'll now, shake your hand, but I won't give you an autograph. Exactly. Well, and there's also there's an official uh, there's like a photography website called Froggies that goes around uh-huh. to a bunch of different conventions and they do like you know official meet and greet type of you know it's a picture you know eight by ten glossy of you and the celebrity that you. Right, you know that you want to meet, and um, they charge different prices for different, you know, obviously depending on who the people are. So I went to them just to get an idea of how much their photo op. Now this doesn't involve signatures. This is just this professional photograph company. Um, so you can get your William Shatner photo op for eighty. Leonard Nimoy's the same. Patrick Stewart photo op, two hundred bucks. Only 200 available. First come, first serve. Shakespearean trained, sir. I know. Shakespearean trained. Last year, uh, Adam West wanted 50, and that's the most I've ever seen anybody charge at Dragon Con. But, I mean, Nimoy, Shatner, and Patrick Stewart are like the biggest stars I've ever heard of being there. Yeah, yeah. They may may charge more. Although, I don't know. I mean... Maybe even bigger than Adam West. Yeah, yeah. I didn't buy Adam West's autograph because I refused to pay that much money for (laughs) it. Right, right, you know. That was actually a discussion we had last year at Dragon Con because my friend Alex um, did buy Adam West's signature. My friend Tom did yeah, well, and what what we were doing is he's got kind of a collection of, like, the original, you know, that Batman series – you know, star signatures, and he didn't really want to pay the fifty. And I forget who he, we were looking at, like at a couple different people, or he was talking about a couple different people. And I was like, "Look, you you got to go by the death clock. 
if you really want these signatures, who's who's going to be the most likely who's to get it? Yeah. yeah, and we're kind of. Um, Adam West had had like some. He, I don't know if he had fallen or he'd had some sort of medical problem coming into Dragon Con, so he really looked pretty rough. Yeah. And you know, my friend's just like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it." <laughs> done it if they had given you discounts, you know, if you didn't actually get a picture, because I had my copy of Batman the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just can't find a place to get rid of a bomb. Right. And uh, they wouldn't, you know, they still wanted one fifty bucks no matter what. Well, that's, and that's what annoys me about these things is because, I mean, I, I think I went to a, a Vulcan, you know, a group that used to do trick conventions. I went to one back probably early, early 90s, and it was, you know, you may, I think it was a day con, and you paid even then, like thirty bucks a day, but that gave you at least one signature for your admittance price from like each of the guests that were there. So you paid more up front, but unless you were buying an actual physical photograph from them because you didn't have anything to get signed, they would sign something for you, at least one thing for you for free. And that I guess eBay kind of killed that off, and now everybody charges. Oh, yeah, you know? So yeah. you, you know, even the most B-list celebrities charge something. Because yeah, they never and, know if they're going to hit it big. And, uh, you know, since, you know, we're used to comic book conventions where, you know, you walk up to the writer with a stack of books and he'll just sign it for you usually. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a of a shock. And I hope, I mean, and I don't know how it's going to be laid out this way. And, I mean, Adam, obviously, you know, um, yeah. last year it was kind of weird at, at Dragon Con. They were almost, like, keeping you back from the celebrities. You know, some people never had any sort of line. But, um, I mean, a couple of years ago it was great because you were in a pretty tight room. And so even if you were waiting in line for somebody else, you could have time to chat, you know, with people as you kind of walk mm-hmm. past them. But, you know, they've sort of, at least last year, they sort of corralled it off, so they were at a distance, you know, they were at arm's length. It's like, yeah. you too can look at the people in their pens, but don't feed the celebrities. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple years ago, that was when I, uh, I I just walked up and talked to George Takei for a few minutes, and this past year, it was really tough. Like, the, the only person I managed to just walk up to was uh, was Avery Brooks, he was just sitting there at his table, no line. He was uh, he was the suavest person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he'd be a pretty badass guy. Yeah, he's just like, hey, how's it going? What's your name? Yeah. Thanks for coming by. I gotta and, be oh, honest that I think it was some of the 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 I hate to say lesser celebrities, but you know some of the not Shatner and Nimoy people that I was actually <laughs> looking more forward to, and I just see that Robert Duncan McNeil. Um, is not going to be able to make it now. I'm actually disappointed. I really wanted to meet him. Now, who is he? Again? Who is he? Yeah. he? He was Paris on uh, oh, okay. gotcha, Voyager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I'm looking at the list here. How the hell is it that Bruce Boxleitner, there's no mention whatsoever of Tron in his <laughs> oh, bio on here? Yeah. Especially yeah, now. Charles Fleischer was in... All right. If you remember Back to the Future 2 mm-hmm. and the part where the old man comes up and asks Marty to thumb a hundred bucks to help save the clock tower, right. uh-huh. that's Charles Fleischer. Yeah. Wow. He gets credit for that on, <laughs> on his bio. Well, I will say the bios, the the bios are, I know at Dragon Con at least, the bios are submitted by each of the, right. yeah. uh, of the attendees. So... It's written you know, by his it's, agent. Probably, yeah, it's yeah. it's whoever. Now, I if you want to see some funny bios from years gone by, um, the guy who played the chief on the recent 
Battlestar. His uh-huh. brother, his brother's like a comedian, and his brother always wrote his bio, assuming that nobody would read it. And it, it really was always like, you know, and he was raised on a monkey farm, but, you know, and he used to fling his own poo, and you're like, huh, what? Oh. <laughs> so what else? Yeah, I'm looking like, most forward to at this thing. Who, who are you guys uh, most excited to, to possibly get to? Terry to Gilliam is going to be great for yeah. me. I love yeah. Terry Gilliam. He's one. Oh, of, you oh, know, oh, he's like you, one of the did, most accomplished filmmakers I've ever seen in my life. So, well, speaking, and of, he's got Monty Python. Mm-hmm. His filmmaking has actually surpassed his work in Monty Python, and that's quite an achievement. And he actually made a working film of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yep. and that's pretty hard. Well, speaking oh, yeah. of his films. There's, just real quick, um, I believe it was Ain't It Cool News, not that I'm a reader of it, but I saw somebody mention it. Supposedly, there's a pretty strong undercurrent that he will be showing a complete, if or almost complete, cut Don of Quixote. his new film. Um, no, 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 of his new film, the Heath Ledger's last film, the, uh, the Dr. Parnassus, whatever it's oh. It's his brand new movie coming out. Hello? I, yeah, that would be cool. I heard he's he's actually starting to do his Don Quixote movie that yeah. got scuttled. That I have had the documentary of the making of that movie, which is supposed to be really good for years, and I just have never gotten around to seeing it. And I, and I should actually do that. But I, yeah, I hear he's actually going to try to make that movie again mm-hmm. with Johnny Depp. Yeah, they've got it on. They've got it scheduled, I think, for like 2011 or something. But yeah, this this his current movie is the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, ah. and it's it's the last um, last Heath Ledger movie. So maybe he'll win another Oscar for this one. It's always fun to win an Oscar after you're dead. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's Especially a lot of when you're, you're only. Sorry. I think those are his only Oscars. Was, yeah. Did he actually win an Oscar? He did win an Oscar for Batman, Broke didn't back. he? Oh, Maybe. did he for oh, Brokeback? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. He was nominated, I think. But I yeah, know Brokeback Mountain won won Oscars, but I didn't. I don't know if it was for actors. Yeah. It might have been. I think it was Best Director or whatever. Who was who was Adam saying he was looking forward to? Oh, I was talking about the Babylon Five people who are going to be there. Ah. Because uh, I met Claudia Christian a couple years ago, and she was really cool. I wouldn't mind uh, talking to her again. Is she yes, the hot blonde? No, no she's she the, was. The, she played Ivanova, the Russian chick. The bit the tall. I must not have watched that far into it yeah. yet. Uh, hey, Adam, yeah, she, you ever pick up? You ever pick up her music? Have you ever heard? No. Of her? Is yeah, it any actually, good? Um, actually, it is. It's sort of um, sort of like a. I don't know, like a techno, like a dark wave synth pop type of um, vibe to it. But it's funny because that was her lyrically. She was talking about all the the women that she liked to sleep with, and it, yeah. all her fans. The, all the fans, her time was kind of like, wait a minute, you yeah. mean? <laughs> but, but what? What? No. Yeah. yeah. Now then, you guys. So oh, go ahead. There's a lot of Mr. Sinister three thousand people coming too. Oh, and, yeah. uh, I'm really excited about. It. Did, did anybody else go to the uh, the live riff tracks thing they had a couple days ago? No, no. Yeah, it's a, it's a, Is that uh, the? It was theatrical, right? You yeah, theatrical. Uh, they, they, they did it uh, at the movie theaters on Thursday, and they made fun of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Oh, and, uh, it was cool. it was 
It was great. I totally forgot about it. Anyway, I was well, you, guys, you guys are veterans to this thing, so let me ask you: is is mm-hmm. are the comic book people any easier to to just walk up and talk to than oh, absolutely. the so-called yeah. celebs? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 good because yeah, this because it's not a comic con per se. Right. Yeah. The I the biggest problem that I've found with the the comic people is that actually catching them at their tables mm-hmm. because it's such a fun con for them and they're not like the center of attention um i mean oh shit like steve rude and bernie Wright both last year were away from their table because they were just going to see celebrities people they like you know it's like oh uh, sorry i was walking the floor oh, okay i'm back so yeah. but i mean you yeah you can get right up to them because like one of the, years- the guy oh it's time go, go ahead adam i would say a couple years ago um george perez and bill sinkowitz were both there uh, for the collecting money for the Hero Initiative, and uh, you know there was nobody in their line, and so I just I just walked up and we chatted for a while. My girlfriend wanted to get a picture with you know with the two of us, and George Perez stood up and flounced over to me and threw his arms <laughs> around my shoulders, and uh, that's the picture on my Facebook page right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're they're real approachable, and it's not going to be crowded because very few people go there for the comic book people, so. I've never Paris, had a problem. Perez is definitely one I'm I'm really looking for. You know, he's probably I don't know, I'm, I'm perusing the list of celebrities right now, but he's probably my number 2 that I'm most excited about, but uh I also see uh uh Michael Golden on the list, yeah. which yeah, I'd I'd love to meet him and uh man, there's so got, many people at this thing I'm excited about. Kate well, Baldwin. Who's your, who's your number 1? I don't think we asked you. I think Alan Dean Foster is is the one oh, I'm most yeah. excited about yeah. because uh, I, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm almost positive that the first real book I read as a kid was Splinter, was Splinter. of the Mind, yeah. and just loved that book. And I've read it more times than I've read any other book, and it, it just I love it, you know. And, and plus, he's written just a lot of other stuff besides you know we wrote the star trek logs all based on the animated star trek and oh i am can't I, even remember am i remembering correctly that it. was it was it not him who ghosted for lucas about with the um, first star wars novel star wars like the actual, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah star wars yeah, the so. yeah. yeah i just got finished listening to one of his books i got it pulled it off of audible uh in his flink series I just found out recently that he wrote the uh, novelization of the newest Star Trek film as well, and I had a chance the other day to, to snag it for like two bucks, but I didn't have cash on me. I wish I'd gotten it because I'd, I'd actually like to read that now simply because he wrote it. You know, I, I respect him that much that even though you know I have a very low opinion of that movie, I'd actually like to check the book out now just because he's the one that that did the novelization because I know that he's a trek fan, so if he had a hand in that, yeah maybe he was able to you know de shitify it just a little bit for me and uh also m c Chris is going to be there. I don't usually go to the concerts, but I might check yep. that out i'm I'm yeah, looking forward fun. to seeing the sub geniuses sub uh, that's going to be that, – that's always fun. I'm but sure now there'll you, be a devival scheduled. Now, neither of you have mentioned the biggest celebrity that I'm looking forward to meeting and trying to hang out with. Biggest celebrities, plural. Who's this? 
This would be the two hosts from the podcast, Two True Freaks. Oh, <laughs> ah, oh, we love you, Eric. <laughs> That's sweet, man. Sorry, I just listen. Me. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. We're gonna have to get Scott drunk and start softening him up, man. Hell yeah, we're gonna break out the wine coolers break- and get his ass yeah. all Ernest and Gallo <laughs> tipsy. Oh, that should, be, him, that should be fun. We're to gonna watch. get him zemed to the gills, man. <laughs> all right, oh, I take Lord. it all back. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! Speaking of which, how speaking like the sucking? Should uh, that comes later? Does any does anybody have an extra like sleeping bag or or sleeping mat or something? Because I'm coming by the Greyhound mat, baby. I'm taking the Greyhound. Hey, Alan Ruck's gonna be there. So, I was just talking yeah. about Alan Ruck, wasn't I? Uh, what the it, hell? It, talking about Alan Ruck? Who was Al- who's Alan Ruck? That? Oh, when in, it was in before you guys came on. We were we were answering. Uh, oh, okay. this episode. yeah, I know, Captain, I know. Okay. And Alan Ruck was, uh, yeah, and he yeah, was Cameron in Ferris Bueller. Okay. Yeah, we we're just talking about. It. He's going to be there. Holy shit! I'll have to. I'm, I'm going to try to meet him and tell There's him that that uh, I was I was talking. I was defending his portrayal as uh, Captain uh, whatever the hell his name was in in Generations. <laughs> Oh, that hell, memorable with, all, with all the crap in that movie, he was yeah. he was the least crappy element. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell him that I if we like run into him in person. Oh, Matthew uh-huh. McDowell. I did not notice him before. Yep. Oh, Matt so Bush. that's another Matt another generation Matt. star. Now here's kind of an obscure name that I, I am actually looking forward to to meeting possibly is uh, Matt Bush. I stood like three inches from the guy at um, Star Wars weekends, but didn't get a chance to talk to him, and I was really bummed about it. So this is my, like my second chance to to meet him. But he, so why uh, were you why were you three inches from Bush? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in the um, what do they call it? The Wicket's Warehouse thing, where they sell all the exclusive merchandise. And he was there signing autographs and like doing like a little like teaching session for kids like how to draw and stuff. And he's like one of the like licensed official Lucas Arts okay, yeah. Star Wars artists type of things right now. And he had so many kids around and, and was talking and entertaining all these kids that I didn't want to just go, you know, butt in and and, and cut you know, cut to try to talk to him. So I stood around waiting for him. You know, to basically get an opening where I could go up and talk to him, and it just never really panned out. So I never got a chance to talk to him. So I'm hoping speaking, to, to get a chance to say, Speaking of uh, of bumping into people, uh, I don't know if either of you have been to a big con like this before, but uh, it's it, it's going to happen. You're going to turn around and let the guy who had the door open for you is going to be Mr. Garibaldi because that happened to yep. me. And uh, you're going to you're going to like walk out in the food court, and the guy who played the uh, uh, the 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 librarian guy and the mummy is going to be eating lunch with uh, you know yeah. some, some other random star and it, it's yeah, just yeah. I'm gonna, and I will, I'm going to be talking to people who are stars that I won't even know who they are you know I will I'll oh, be, yeah. there'll be people I won't even know who the hell they are and I'll just be like oh, excuse me you know Supergirl yeah, to me that's going to be there Supergirl who? is going to be there Helen Slater oh. let's the Billie Jean baby how can I, I get remember. her to wear that outfit? Do you think? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now. I, I didn't know about Bro, McDowell. He's like one of my favorite yeah. actors. 
Who's like that? Clockwork Orange. Oh, McDowell. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Malcolm McDowell. Clockwork yeah. Orange Malcolm is one Malcolm of the most balls-out acting Roddy jobs McDowell's ever. Roddy McDowell's dead. It's, it's Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, yeah. Well, no, Roddy McDowell's yeah. going to be there, too. I just wouldn't stand Spirit. around his corner too yeah. much. Yeah. Roddy McDowell is playing of the apes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was except, except for Beneath, and a lot of people don't realize that, that that was not Roddy McDowell and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. It was actually an impersonator. Was a Roddy McDowell impersonator. Believe it, but uh, there's a narrow career field. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you do? Um, I'm per, uh, Roddy McDowell. No, I mean, really, what do you what do you do professionally? No, I'm no Roddy McDowell. really, that's a, uh, that's about it. <laughs> I was at. Well, a, I like. Oh, go ahead. A, he can was, do. He has whole scenes from like um, Tank Girl memorized <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. I had a, uh, I think it was at like the in line at Dairy Queen or something in the food court, and there was this guy. He had he had on a guest badge, and he like had a, had some people around him like he was really important, but I had no idea who he was, and I didn't have the courage to ask him who he was, and so I kept trying to like look around and see if I could see the name on his name tag, and he, I think he thought I was just really creepy. But <laughs> I never did figure <laughs> out who it was. You know a lot what of I like think to, I'm really creepy. You know what's really fun to do with the rabbit too is. You just pick a random celebrity person, and then you just pick a random person and interview them as if they were that celebrity, <laughs> and steadfastly refuse to believe them when they say you, they can even be of the opposite sex of the person that you're, and just go about uh, steadfastly about the 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 interview. Interview Patrick Stewart as though he were Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> exactly, it'd be like Patrick Stewart. You know, it's some guy with a big. You know, Afro and like. <laughs> well, now, now my first All question: right, You guys are going to have to play professional wranglers for me when it comes to. I just realized that Greg Theakston is going to be there. Oh yeah, and I have sworn vengeance on this human being. So, what so did, please, what did Greg do to you? He cut up, happily, gleefully cut up. An action number one and a whole bunch of other like super rare expensive comics for that stupid fucking theekstonizing process that he invented back in like the eighties or nineties, and I just want to kick him square in the ball. So should we? Should we, should we bring a chair and a whip? <clears throat> Why would I want to wrangle you when I have the option of videotaping that? Yeah, but I want to be able to go back to Dragon Con at some point, and I'm sure that beating a celebrity's ass in the middle of it is not a way to get invited back or, or, should we or be bring allowed the chair and the back. Whip for later? We could. Well, what Take you do is you wait till late at night when he's kind of drunk, and you throw a pillowcase over his head, and you know you throw him <laughs> in the closet. He don't know where the hell he is, or who those people with the soap bars in their in their pillowcases that came from, or their gym socks, or whatever. And sacks of Valencia yeah. oranges. Oh, forty-five exactly. minutes, and we could have him in the middle of you know nowhere, Alabama. So you know that that's oh, not- dude, we could we we it's could like- waterboard him right in the tub in the. In, is there I'm any other kind of Alabama? No, not really. <laughs> what do you think the chances are of getting Garrett Wang to hang with us? Because he can't be, I mean, that busy at this thing. Getting the Wang to hang? Yeah. That was um, uh, from Voyager. Hanging, we could do a show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Harry Kim. Hanging with the Wang. Harry Kim. Harry yeah. Kim. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mix, mix up his character name and his real name. Yeah, you know, like, so Harry <laughs> Wang. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Wang, nice, nice. 
Well, I, Adam, you're talking about the celebrities. He probably Wayne. hasn't heard any Wang jokes yet either. So. I, yeah, I'm sure this never come across. Write those down. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Wood's going to be there from uh, from Clone Wars. Does the voice are all of, these people uh, General... named after uh, penises or something? Yeah, yeah. Wood Wang, <laughs> enormous genitals. George, Bo- yes, George, Bob and George, yep. George Foreskin's going to be there. <laughs> You know, as many people as there are, I'm really looking forward to meeting in a good way. There's just as many people that I'm look I'm noticing that I'm looking forward to like meeting in a bad way. Is this gonna be like, like the Mike, uh, Mike Mignola? He's another one I'd like slowly to I turn step by yeah, step. Like four days of Scott kicking people's asses. <laughs> Alternately kissing and kicking yeah. asses. Oh, I'll be hating. <laughs> That's myself. the true true freaks motto. <laughs> I'll be hating. Oh. I'm also oh I'm also the um, sure. Adam Savage from the MythBusters is going to be there. Oh yeah, yeah. He, the, uh, the 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 build crew has been there before, but this is the first time he's been there. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. And um... I want to ask him if he and the other guy are married. <laughs> I secretly think they're married because they act like a married couple. All right, well, this dude's act like name one, is Nathan Mas- Masson. Masson. Actually, how fast would you change your fucking name if your oh, last name was Massengill? Because how many times well, has this it, guy been it, called a douche in his depends. life? And, oh, 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 Massengill douche! Yeah, and he's oh Jesus Christ! I don't yeah. know. Does he does he have piles and piles of makeup money to uh, to make up for that? Mm, says he's a comic no. book brush ink. Actually, I severely doubt that he's rolling <laughs> in dough. I actually talked to him for quite some time last year. He's a really nice guy. I mean, not that you still can't make fun of his name. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't defend that at all. But, um, yeah, no, no, he actually, he was the inker on, he was Dale Eaglesham's inker on JSA. Oh, for issues and issues and issues. And uh, so, yeah, some, because he had a big stack of his art there. And I was like, ooh, JSA pages. These are pretty. So. Ooh, yeah, Chris, uh, Jaws is going to be there, man. Richard Keel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like Richard Keel. He's evil. I, I learned not too long ago that some of his Hulk footage is actually left in the Hulk pilot, which I thought was very interesting. I did not huh. know that before. I was listening to the the director's commentary on the pilot episode, and it was oh. he was pointing out the scenes where. It's actually Richard Keel and not um, Lou Ferrigno yet in the pilot. I thought that was pretty cool. Oddly me. enough, I don't think Lou Ferrigno is actually going to be there that, this year. No, no, can... he is. They just added. Oh, is he? Okay. Well, oh. shoot. I mean, because you, yeah, can't, I have, you, you can't, can't have, have a con without Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was well, a little uh, worried there for a minute. That, 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 that whole thing with, uh, you know, is this Lou Ferrigno or not? That reminds me of the – anybody seen the episode of Family Guy where the, the nerdy AV guy is showing everybody where – like which parts of the Star Trek fighter Shatner and which parts are a stunt double? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we used that at the beginning of, one of that, that episode when we did that when we did Arena. You uh, you guys would not happen to know the the real name of the actor that that plays um, shit. I don't even know the character's name. The the navigator helmsman whatever the hell he's supposed to be on Enterprise the the black dude I, I don't know what his oh real his, name. Uh, that's uh what's oh, what's his character's name crap Travis okay. Travis um, Merriweather 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 Mayweather yeah. Mayweather it's no it's Mayweather May, Mayweather that's right yeah what do you know that act that actor's name I'm looking it up now because I was watching um 
on the DVDs for that at the end of each season, they always have a bunch of really good, you know, insightful stuff about the, you know, the characters and the plots and blah, blah, blah. And they were interviewing him and he sounds like such a down to earth, like, you know, I can't believe people want my autograph or my, you know, to talk to me kind of person that he's another one that seems like he'd be awesome to hang out with if you could, you know, if you could talk to him. And that's the thing is you really, go ahead. His name is Anthony Montgomery. Montgomery? Let me see if he's going to be at this thing. Um, speaking of that, uh, when I was at Megacon uh, down in Orlando... Holy uh, shit! He is! He is? is? Uh, awesome! Awesome. Best known uh, for his role as Ensign Travis Mayweather on the television series Star Trek Enterprise. Um, when I was down at, at Megacon, uh, I was staying with uh, the Comic Geek Speak people uh, in the con hotel... And I was driving the elevator down, and I'm talking to this guy on the elevator, and he's, he's real nice, and we're chatting about comic books and stuff. And I, I keep thinking that I've seen him somewhere before, and it's really bothering me. He's not wearing, like, a guest tag or anything. Um, and then, like, later on, I see him at the, uh, in the lobby, and he's down there, you know, we're, we're, we talk again a few, for a few minutes. And we go over to the con, and I realize it's the guy who played the Martian Manhunter on Smallville. Hmm. Oh. And, <laughs> And uh, you, know, uh, you know Pasquale, who makes the the balloon superheroes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He made him a Martian Manhunter balloon that he has oh. that he has sitting next to him at his uh, at his signing table. And so I went up and got a picture with uh, with me and my Green Arrow and Blue Beetle uh, balloons. So we'd have a little justice mini balloon Justice League. Sorry, but I don't know why. <laughs> but definitely Dragon Con. You know, at a lot of conventions. The guests, you know, whether they're celebrity guests or comic guests or whatever, tend to disappear after the con shuts down. Um, then again, most conventions tend to be in at least convention most, centers. You know, like yeah, in convention centers, like the longer, bigger conventions, because Dragon Con is in hotels, like four hotels in this case. And usually not the first day, because if a celebrity hasn't been there before, they don't tend to know. But there's like a really is a really kind of respect comfort level with people at Dragon Con and I guess it's partly because people just go like guests like us just go there to kind of have a good time that a lot of the celebrities will suddenly realize it's like wait you know we can actually walk downstairs to get a drink or something without being totally flanked for autographs and things and this is pretty cool and usually by like the second or third day yeah you'll see them you know down totally drunk with everybody else go you know edward james almost will be out there rocking the shocker go woohoo yeah (laughs) i I hope so i i really i mean i i hope that i I get because to me, the only other thing I've ever been to that's even remotely like this at all was uh, I went to a couple Star Trek conventions, you know, ages ago, and I saw um, DeForest Kelly and I saw um, Jimmy Doohan. And DeForest Kelly, I mean, you couldn't get within, you know, rock-throwing distance of him. But Jimmy Doohan, I mean, I was amazed that shortly after the whole thing was over with, you know, here he was at the bar. You know, in the in the lobby of the hotel Syracuse, and I actually like had a drink with him. It was fucking awesome. So I'm I'm you hoping were that, that Scotty was drinking. No, I yeah. mean I was just amazed that here he is. You know, the the celebrity of the con, and there yeah. he is that you could just walk up to him and say, "Hey, how's it going?" and strike up a conversation. I mean, I you know, I always envision these guys very much like the president. You know, with their with their little secret service detail, and you you know 
if you tried to get new, nah, it thumped yeah. to the ground, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying that's how I had it in my head, and to find out that it's really not like that at all is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I. Uh, what was it? Oh yes, uh, I, I'm sad that uh, I didn't get to meet DeForest Kelly or, J- or James Doom before they died. But uh, yeah. if I end up meeting Shatner and Nimoy, it'll complete my my original series cast. Uh, I've met those people list, so I'm uh, I'm really excited <laughs> about it. Very cool. Well, I think we've about <laughs> filled all our time for this segment. Maybe we'll carry on this conversation, but it'll be out of the ear range of our listeners and followers. So that's when we can do the real scheming of the true depravity that will be Dragon Con. Now, is there any way for your listeners and followers to find you at the con if they happen to be there? Yeah, Look, keep looking down towards the floor. <laughs> that will follow be follow the trail Scott. of vomit. Follow, follow the trail of wine cooler vomit to, <laughs> to Scott. No, and the, no, it's, and the guys with the video cameras will be the rest of us. No, no. See, you wait till you see the hotel layout. It won't be down on the floor. He's. It's going to be look for the guy at the like up on the third level of the atrium of the Marriott, who's who's drunkenly like out on the ledge yelling, "Dark Knight sucks." You're stupid. <laughs> He's got a fat head. And that Star Trek movie sucks. Boy, that'd be me. Um, but it might be Scott too. So, I got your back, brother. Hey, I liked it. That's okay. We all, all have right. problems. We'll, we'll, we'll battle it out. We'll battle it out. It'll be a tag team. We all have our little faults. Mice in California. Oh, nice. You'll be hearing that one again in a couple weeks. Yeah, this so horny. Even the crack of dawn's not safe. Oh. Hey, Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are now also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening to Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.